0: and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Civil War. Somebody requested I say that right away.
1: <laughs> Had to do it. We live to serve. Donald Trump's home, Mar-a-Lago, has been raided by the FBI. This is according to a statement from the president himself. I am seeing reporters on Twitter say something similar. I have... Another source who, who, who messaged me saying, another journalist, they have confirmed it. Seems to be completely legit. The Hill is reporting definitively that Donald Trump's home has been raided by the FBI. It's unclear exactly why, but boy, do we have to talk about this one. Cause this is, uh, it's one of those moments when you question how long until dark days get really, really dark. You know, I don't want to say too much, but there are times in history when we talk about when people realized things were getting too dangerous in their own country. I think the former president having his home raided by the FBI when he's already passively announced he's going to be running for president, basically. And we know that this is an attempt to stop him from running. Dark days indeed. So we're going to be talking about that. Head over to TimCast.com. Become a member. We're going to have that uncensored members only show coming up about 11 p.m. And we've got new episodes of Tales from the Inverted World. I think Cast Castle is going live with the first promo introductory episode tomorrow. So really excited for that. And then we've got big news. Two documentaries are are moving forward in the works, and I believe the um, gun control doc may actually be done in only a few months because it it is happening. So we're really excited for that. It's called What is an Assault Weapon? So that's really, really cool. So smash that like button, subscribe to this channel, share the show with your friends. Joining us tonight, it is an honor and a privilege to have Larry Elder.
2: Tim, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it.
1: Would you like to introduce yourself to anyone who might not be familiar with your work?
2: Uh, Ran for governor of California last year, got three and a half million votes, uh, got more votes than virtually all the other 45 replacement rivals combined. I've had a talk show for about 30 years uh, with with Salem. Now I'm with Epic Times TV. Had a syndicated column for about um, since April of 1998. I missed one week. Uh, I was taking off for Christmas. You're allowed to take two weeks off. I I took one week off one year. Outside of that, I've written a weekly column every single week since 1998, uh, April, except for when I ran for governor. I've had about a half a dozen uh, books, uh, two of which were New York Times bestsellers. Uh, One was called The Ten Things You Can't Say in America, which came out in 2000. And my last book is about my father and me. We didn't talk for almost 10 years because I had an issue with him. Uh, we sat down wow. for what I thought would be a five or 10 minute conversation to Ended up being an eight hour conversation Ooh. after which I realized what an amazing guy he was and I cried and apologized. We were very good friends from that point on for the next 35 years.
0: Wow. Well, we have,
2: have, we're, we're uh, lucky to have I you. I have now. a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame just so you well, know.
0: Uh, <laughs> Corn- I didn't know that. Corner, <laughs> corner, awesome. corner
2: corner Hollywood and Vine Southeast um, Corner. Really? You want to touch me? Wow. Yeah. <laughs> <dude>. <laughs> so, so, now, so, now, so now you can stand at the corner and hear people in 25 languages say who the hell is Larry Elder so there you go quite uh,
1: quite exciting well we are lucky to have you man I'm I'm really excited for this it'd be fun we also have Jamie Kilstein
3: I gotta stop giving my introduction after the guest I'm like (laughs) well I'm playing the Dayton Funny Bone August 19th and 20th what if me and my dad still don't really get along um hey everybody I'm Jamie Kilstein I am uh one of the cast members and writers of Cast Castle which you guys can see very soon along with so much other good stuff at TimCast.com I am doing stand-up comedy in Dayton uh, at The Funny Bone, the 19th and 20th. Zanies in Nashville, September 8th. Uh, and The Comedy Catch in Chattanooga, uh, the 9th and 10th. You can follow me on Twitter. And also, I just wanted to say thank you guys, um, all the people who have asked for me to come back on the show on Twitter. And there, was, uh, there were fans. I met IRL fans uh, when I did stand-up this weekend. There was literally a guy in the front row in the middle of a comedy show. There was a little pause, and he just goes, thank you for your nuanced conversation on IRL. I was like, all right, right, bud, cool.
4: (laughs) So, yeah, so thank you, guys. Hey, everybody, Ian Crossland from iancrossland.net. Happy to be here. Larry, you said you also have an upcoming movie. I do. Uncle Tom. Thank you for it. For, I forgot to mention that. Uh, the sequel is called
2: Uncle Tom 2. Uncle Tom came out on Juneteenth in 2020. Uh, it cost about a half a million dollars to make. The rule of thumb is if you make three times your, your cost, you have a hit movie. Uh, it made ten times its cost. Woo! Wow. had a higher IMDb rating than any of the ones that were nominated that year for Best, uh, best, best Documentary by the Academy Awards. Uh, higher Rotten Tomatoes rating and couldn't get arrested by the Academy even though we had a consultant to try and get it at least considered for for consideration for an Academy Award. The sequel comes out on August 26th. You can pre-order it on UncleTom.com and you can see Uncle Tom won for free also on UncleTom.com.
1: Absolutely excellent.
5: Excellent, by the thank way. You. Yeah, I'm looking great, forward to talking to
4: Uncle Tom, too, later in the show. So mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank, they you, thank you for Heroes. reminding me, Ian. I appreciate yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. You we, didn't have You didn't have to do that, <laughs> but I love you, man. Yeah, thank yeah, you. Yeah. Lydia's back.
5: I am back. Yay. Yes, yes. Hold your applause, please. My hand is, in fact, broken. If you can see it, I'm going to keep it to the chase. But I think, I
2: think it's a prop for sympathy. <laughs> That's true. Hold <laughs> <a little> your <laughs> applause, because yeah. Lydia I can't clap.
5: It hurts very much. Yeah, I cannot clap. Anyway, let's get into the news. I'm excited for tonight.
1: All right, here's the first story. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Massive. From TimCast.com, Donald Trump announces Mar-a-Lago was raided by the FBI. The DOJ is currently investigating January 6th and alleged efforts to overturn the 2022 election. I know that TimCast.com is officially NewsGuard certified, which is huge. It's good news, right? We'll talk about that later. But I also want to make sure we're just clear. The Hill is reporting definitively the FBI raids Trump's Mar-a-Lago. So while many outlets are saying Trump announces it's happened, there are there's at least the Hill saying it's definitive. I have another journalist who messaged me confirming through multiple, they say, confirming through multiple sources, the FBI has raided Donald Trump's home. They say, or I should say, we say over at TimCast.com. President Donald Trump announced the Federal Bureau of Investigation has raided his private real estate in Florida. Mar-a-Lago is, quote, currently under siege, raided and occupied by a large group of FBI agents. The former president said in the statement around 7 p.m. I mean, this is. This is happening right when we're all excited. Larry's here. We're getting ready for the show. <laughs> he goes, the FBI is raiding Trump's house. And I was like, what?
5: Yeah. It's like, like, okay, well, are, this, is gonna be, this is going
1: to be crazy. They say the purpose of the search was not immediately clear. Trump noted that agents executing a search warrant even broke into his safe. The DOJ has accelerated its investigation into the January 6th attack on the Capitol and further examined Trump's actions to overturn the 2020 election results, uh, 2020
4: election results to reign in power, according to The Hill. So... Civil War? What? <clears throat> I don't think so. I think that this has been planned for a hundred years. I'm not talking about the raid on Trump. I'm talking about technocracy and the, you know, the military and, well, not, the military part of it came in the forties and fifties with the opportunity after World War II to establish global dominance. But like the Federal Reserve, they really want to control the environment. This is just another stepping stone as far as I'm concerned.
2: I, I think it's a very scary development. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I, I thought at first people who said if Donald Trump gets indicted or if he gets prosecuted for alleged insurrection, uh, we, we would be having some sort of violence in the streets. Right. I don't. I no longer feel this hyperbole. Uh, this is very scary. You know, for the entirety of, of Trump's presidency, Hillary referred to the election of 2016 as having been stolen. Mm-hmm. She called Donald Trump illegitimate uh, to the point where 67% of Democrats, according to a YouGov poll, believe that the Russians changed vote tallies in 2016 to get Donald Trump elected. Jay Johnson, the Department of Homeland Security secretary, testified under oath. The Russians tried, but they failed to change a single vote tally in 2016. Yet a supermajority of Democrats believe that they did. 78% of Democrats believe the Russian interference changed the outcome of the election. And Jay Johnson testified, we don't know. We'd have to have a world where there was interference and one where there wasn't and compare the two. So we can't do that, we just don't know. But 78% of Democrats, according to a the Gallup poll believe the Russian interference changed the outcome of the election. In other words, a greater percentage of Democrats believe 2016 was stolen. The Republicans feel the same thing about 2020. Hillary joined a lawsuit, Jill Stein, to overturn the Wisconsin election uh, and uh, and filed a separate motion to have the recount done by hand. Nobody calls her a purveyor of the big lie. Her social media platforms have not been shut down, even though mm-hmm. she said, as I, as I said, for four years Donald Trump is, in, is an illegitimately elected president. It's a double standard that slaps you in the face. Hillary skated when she clearly violated the Espionage Act. She had a private server in her basement. She got and received secured... Information, uh, classified information, lied about it and and skated, and the and the law does not require any intent. But James Comey did this big presentation at the end of it. He said, "But she lacked the intent. The statute does not require intent. She skated. This is double standard and it's outrageous. And there might very well be violence in the streets now because there's, of this."
1: There's a couple ways I think we can we can look at it depending on how you want to give the benefit of the doubt to Democrats. Donald Trump was very passively looking into the Ukraine dealings of the Biden family for doing such. He was accused of trying to dig up dirt on his political rival just before the upcoming election, even though Joe Biden had not announced nor even hinted that he would be running for president. I mean, this is like a year and a half before he made his announcement at all. They impeached Donald Trump for this. We do have evidence of potential malfeasance. I should say Joe Biden did a quid pro quo with the president of Ukraine, fire the prosecutor or you're not getting the billion dollar loan guarantee. Mm -hmm. And they said, well... It was in line with foreign policy. That's not the point. The vice president doesn't have the authority to make these threats. Right. As it happens, his son was on the board of Burisma. Burisma's founder was being investigated by that prosecutor who ended up getting fired because of Biden. Now you could argue the Democrats are looking at that and genuinely believing that's what Trump was doing. And this is what we've seen from them. They've repeatedly said you have to play the game the Republicans are playing. If they really believe that's what Trump did, then this is a tit for tat or We can operate under the assumption they're hypocrites and liars. They accused Trump falsely and then are now doing exactly what they claimed he was doing.
2: And of course, uh, Hunter Biden and Joe Biden are getting a complete pass so far. Uh, Joe Biden has said repeatedly he knew nothing at all about his, about his son's business dealings. They got the laptop. The laptop was dismissed as Russian disinformation by 51 so-called intelligence operatives right before the election. 16% of Biden voters believe that had they known about this story, they would not have voted for Biden.
0: Hello, it is Ryan and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, Counting your steps, you know all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. So, 18 plus. And much, and 6%,
2: right? 16%. 16%, 16%? 16%, yeah, of, like 10, 16% yeah. of Biden voters say had they known about the Hunter Biden laptop story, which was suppressed by Twitter, suppressed by Facebook, they would not have voted for Joe Biden. Mm-hmm. Clearly, the election then would have been uh, in favor of Donald Trump. Uh, and Donald mm-hmm. Trump referred to as the big guy getting 10% on the laptop uh and they and uh Joe Biden uh, Hunter Biden complaining that his dad you, gets wait, wait, half you, of you,
1: you mean uh the, Hunter Biden Hunter and, Biden
2: referred to his father as right, the big guy right. and, and the big guy gets 10% and, and they've and, done this again and, and if you watch CNN you watch uh, MSNBC what I call hee haw it's like this story <laughs> doesn't even exist but but on Sunday even Brian Stelter of CNN their uh their media guy even he said this is not just a right wing story it is something that's very serious and could jeopardize
1: Biden's presidency i want to read the statement from Donald Trump here for you guys um his announcement that this raid happened, he said, these are dark times for our nation as my beautiful home, Mar-a-Lago in Palm Beach, Florida is currently under siege, raided and occupied by a large group of FBI agents. Nothing like this has ever happened to a president of the United States before. After working and cooperating with the relevant government agencies, this unannounced raid on my home was not necessary or appropriate. It is prosecutorial misconduct, the weaponization of the justice system. And an attack by radical left Democrats who desperately don't want me to run for president in 2024, especially based on recent polls and who will likewise do anything to stop Republicans and conservatives in the upcoming midterm elections. Such an assault could only take place in a in broken third world countries. Sadly, America has now become one of those countries corrupt at a level not seen before. Mm -hmm. They even broke into my safe. What is the difference between this and Watergate where operatives broke into the Democratic Democrat National Committee? Here, in reverse, Democrats broke into the home of the 45th president of the United States. I mean, it's absolutely insane. Um, I think he missed an opportunity. I'm not the
3: biggest fan of Trump, but I do think he's the funniest president. That what if while <laughs> yeah. they were raiding his place, that's when he just stood outside and announced he was running for president defiantly as they're like just moving safes out. He's like, by the way, I am running for president. <laughs> I think that's the move.
1: I, I, I agree. <laughs> I actually said this uh, a couple weeks ago. Donald Trump needs to announce now before they try and pull some BS like this. Uh, I also just want to say
2: I don't think they care. I don't think they care when he announces, whether he announces. They, mm-hmm. they intended to do this. This is just, again, absolutely, completely outrageous. Um, Steve Bannon was just prosecuted for for refusing a subpoena by the January 6th committee. Found found uh, found guilty. Um Eric Holder refused a subpoena by the Republican for information on Fast and Furious. They referred it to the court and the federal judge who was appointed by by Obama throughout the uh, throughout the uh, the lawsuit. Again, just double standard.
4: Yeah, uh Bannon was was charged with a misdemeanor. That was a misdemeanor. What he got found It was, I think it was mm-hmm. two misdemeanors mm-hmm. because of what what like two requests yeah, or something. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I just wanted
3: to also say, uh no violence in the streets, you guys. Like no. if we, you know, if we because we talk about um
1: yeah, that would be the worst possible thing. Well, because yeah, it's going to well, hurt. Of course, it supporters. would be.
3: Yes, a hundred percent. And it's also we well, talk, because it's bad. Violence yes. is wrong. No, but also <laughs> like we talk about the both side stuff, right? We talk about the both side stuff with this, where it's well, we wouldn't have wanted Obama to be raided, right? right. So we don't want Trump to be raided. And it's the same thing with violence in the street for everyone who rightfully condemned violence in the street when it was the left. It's like we don't want to do that. However. I think people on the left as well, when something unconstitutional happens, when something shady happens, when people need to be held accountable, still make your voices heard.
2: The media should still cover this responsibly. But, yeah, we don't need to. uh No pitchforks well, yet. Well, people on the left, uh, because Donald Trump got elected in November of 2016, there was violence in four over four days in 40 different cities a number of people were arrested and when Donald Trump was inaugurated in January of 2017 200 people were arrested uh, in Washington D.C. protesting the, the inaugural so the, the idea that uh, Donald Trump supporters are more violent than Hillary supporters is just BS no I, well and that's what's so frustrating is I wish that
3: I wish that people, and I say this every time I'm on the show, would have principles and not parties. And that mm-hmm. means if your side is doing the thing that you criticize the other side for, right. not only should you call it out, you should be more upset. But,
1: but that, that describes the right. Not not every single person on the right, obviously. But the, today the right, as the media describes it, is an amalgam of a bunch of different political parties. Right. I mean libertarians, like it, it's funny when they they meme Dave Smith because he, he makes a tweet about the left overreacting and they say here's you overreacting and it's like January 6th. Yeah. It's like Dave Smith's a libertarian. Right. He, he, he rags on Trump all the time. Dave mm-hmm. Smith's also
3: a comic. Hey, what's up, Dave? Right. But <laughs> so,
1: so the issue is like whatever they describe the right as is actually constantly pointing the finger and like, hey, that was bad. You shouldn't do that. Whatever the left is is completely oblivious or just outright does not care.
2: And when you call them out, they call it whataboutism. Mm-hmm. I hear that right. all the time. It's called whataboutism. Uh, J- Benny Thompson is the chair of the January 6th committee. January uh, 2005, after George W. Bush gets reelected, he joins 88 other Democrats uh, to overturn the election, uh, claiming that there was uh, voter manipulation in the Diebold voting machine in Ohio. Uh, and it uh, wasn't successful, but he... Did not want those electors to be seated. Nobody called him uh, threatening the integrity of our democracy. Uh, and Democrats tried to uh, challenge electors in 2000. Al Gore to this day believes Supreme Court uh, put uh, George W. Bush in the in the uh, in the White House. Uh, Maxine Waters uh, and others ch- challenged uh, 2004 along with Benny Thompson. Mm. And more more states were challenged by the Democrats in 2016 in January than Donald Trump challenged uh, in 2020 in January.
1: But but here's here's the issue. You've got a cult and everybody else. And I feel like we can say that stuff all the time. We can make the memes and post the videos. Maybe, maybe it will, you know, wake a lot of people up, but there is still a massive base of people that don't know, don't care. And even if you tell them that, they're going to say, so what? I know. They're driven by tribalism. And that's the problem,
3: right? I think a lot of people On the left and on the right. They don't even realize the scope of the bubble they're in. They don't know about the algorithms. They don't know about fact-checking. They don't know. They just see what the algorithm gives them. And it's usually people. This is what happened to me. It's usually just people who agree with them. And then I hear someone like Larry talking about even things about student debt and Black Lives Matter before the show that literally I didn't know. Now, it's not necessarily the average person's fault you know this is our job right but it's not the average person's fault for not knowing it is their fault for once you do find out something that changes your narrative not going oh damn okay maybe i need to change my mind or look at that in a more open-minded way Can I,
1: i just want to point out how deluded deranged i think the democrats are jamie raskin sent me a text asking for money for a political campaign Jamie Raskin, the guy who falsely, <laughs> s- who smeared me on January 6th hearings, including a clip of me reading a Fox News article alongside other people calling for a red wedding, yes, texted heard. me saying, <laughs> I, I need That's your so help. Please great. donate. Now,
2: he was, he was, by the way, one of the 88 Democrats that voted not to certify the election in Ohio in 2005, <laughs> January three mm. like unsubscribe. Yeah.
1: The, 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 we're, we're, we're busted. Look, I say, I've been saying civil war for some time, not be, well, people, here's what people miss. There's single-layer issues, and that seems to be the only thing the left understands. They don't understand what comes next. But there are even many people that that don't see beyond uh, you know, the first, second, or third layer of events. Back in 2018, when I'm watching people fighting in the streets, my point when I said we're on track for a civil war is that the culture war you're seeing on the ground is going to reach the highest level of government. There's no indication it won't be the case. Now we're at the point where the FBI— has just raided the home of a former president. You can't get any higher than that. The DOJ of a Democrat administration has raided the former Republican president's house. They've arrested several of his administration officials. They've shackled them. It does not get any higher than this. This shows the country, to the highest degree, has bifurcated. What comes next? I don't way. know Kansas. Uh, Believe in Kansas <laughs> with what's going on with the abortion voting.
3: The uh, the only reason I'm very hopeful that there's not going to be a civil war is because people on the right have guns and most people on the left don't know how to fight.
1: That's not the issue though. The issue is the DOJ has been weaponized. Well, that's not good. So you, you hear people on the right say, "Oh, the right's got guns. What does the left have?" Well, the socialists have guns. The Socialist Rifle Club uh, Rifle Association exists, and Democrats are weaponizing law enforcement in ways that conservatives won't do.
2: Jamie, let me give me give you an idea of how scary it gets. I, I sure. have a friend that I've known for over forty years. He was my closest friend. Mm. He has a son with special needs. And he's convinced that Donald Trump, quote, mocked a disabled reporter. Mm. There was a poll in twenty sixteen before the election. The number one reason likely voters gave for not wanting to vote for Donald Trump is because he allegedly mocked a disabled reporter. The story was because Donald Trump said there were people who were cheering the fall of the Twin Towers. Uh, And to be sure there was a reporter who wrote a story about that. When the people asked the reporter about the story. He backed away from it. Yeah. And Donald Trump mocked him backing away from it, began shaking like this. I don't remember. I don't know. So more like mocking him in like a cowardly right. right. backpedaling There's way. a website called Catholics for Trump. Uh, and there are several videos where Donald Trump has used that gesture to mock himself, to mock an able-bodied uh, person. Yeah. And furthermore, <laughs> the reporter in question, his name is Serge Kowalewski, doesn't go like this. Right. He has an atrophy, he has a he has a, some, some sort of uh, disease, he has an atrophied arm, but he doesn't shake like this. He speaks very calmly and very evenly. So he wasn't even doing an impression uh, of him. Yeah. Uh, and well, I sent like my friend bits. a three-page letter, Jamie, with, with a link to Catholic for Trump to show him that he's wrong.
3: Yeah.
2: And my friend, by the way, had a perfect score in his SAT. Yeah close to perfect score on his LSAT. He's brilliant. And it didn't matter. And I had an epiphany. I re- I found out that people who hate Donald Trump did not want to unhate him. It had nothing to do with intelligence. It was all emotion. And this guy was invested in disliking Donald Trump, invested in this story. It is not true. So I have a question. You are And we ended our friendship. He well, he
3: ended it. Oh so gosh. what I was going to say what I crazy. What I respect you for that interaction is you reached out, right? And three you tried to the three-page letter. Mm-hmm. So I guess my question is I've known you for a half an hour uh, or however S- long. seems longer. Yeah, uh, <laughs> <Okay>. longer. <laughs> seems a lot longer. Fake news, everybody. Uh, <laughs> I've been pitching them bits. Uh, and the, you know, you seem like a, a you, you've been very kind and intelligent, and I've learned things. My question is then, how does someone, and, and this is like an honest question, is how would you, if we're trying to avoid civil war, which seems like, I don't know, a priority, mm-hmm. um How does the right, how do you, especially as like a public figure, kind of try to not turn into that same tribalized left? How can you, or is it even your responsibility, try to get your fans to reach out? But
1: he's not. I mean, quite literally, if his whole point is that he reads the facts to to figure out what's true and someone else doesn't, you don't need to avoid doing it. You're just not doing it.
3: No, but what I'm saying is like. Do people like us, and I'm even counting myself being on this show, do we sort of need to go above and beyond to instead of just attacking 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 try to get the other side to see the facts in a compassionate way like you attempted with the, the, your friend the, and then it's on your friend that he didn't respond
2: the, the problem is one side and i'm generalizing obviously one side the left believes the right is not just wrong that they're bad people if not evil we believe or at least i believe people on the left are ill-informed yeah. uh and are, need to be better educated but i don't i don't dismiss them as evil, as evil. bad people i have a f- recent friend left is, is all get out name is jackie Yeah. I and Jackie, Jackie, fine. Jackie mm-hmm. hates Donald Trump and believes Donald Trump uh, engaged in, a, in an interaction, a, a coup. So I sent her an article written by, uh, uh, uh Alan Dershowitz, who nice. is a left-wing professor, voted twice for Obama, but been very fair and very even on this issue. I do and not he talked about the, the 9-11 commission, uh, committee, how unfair it was, how one-sided it was, that Donald Trump in his speech said, I want you to patri- patriotically and peacefully go over and make your voices heard, on and on, very, very well argued. I sent it to her. Texted to her. Yeah, she texts back right away and says, uh, "This is garbage." I wrote back and I said, "You could not have possibly mm-hmm. read it mm-hmm. in that time that you text back right. to me." So she refused to even read the information. What do you want me to do? So open open gotta, a window and just start yelling out of I mean, of the liberals
1: are very fast readers. This is where I got. I want to push back. I think this is a mistake that uh, the right often makes. The saying is, "The right thinks the left is ill-informed. The left thinks the right is evil." In fact, I think the left is the example of the banality of evil. And it doesn't matter if it's left or right, any kind of historical context. Let's just call it blue and red or A and B. Right. Whatever it is, when you've got libertarians, uh, post-liberal, disaffected liberal, conservative, Republican, whatever, on one side, disparate ideologies, people disagree, having a conversation. And then you have people who are driven by emotion, won't even bother to read the facts. You're dealing with a cult. You are dealing with the banality of evil. Mm -hmm. They are engaging in evil actions to evil ends for no specific reason. They don't need to have intent. If a person is, you know, look, if a person grabs a weapon and thinks they're a good guy and like, actually, I'll tell you a story right now. There's a viral story where a guy murdered his neighbors because he said they were using telepathy to mind control him. Yeah, he's crazy. Mm -hmm. He is a, he is a, he, he committed an evil act. But his intent was skewed by nonsense. Mm-hmm. That doesn't change the fact that what he did was evil. So I'm not going to call them ill-informed. I'm going to say they're engaged in outright, outright evil. Okay. Well, well I do want
2: That's fair enough. My, my mother was a lifelong Democrat. My brother, my best friend was a lifelong Democrat. I never considered them to be evil. I considered them to be ill-informed. And I worked on them and I got them to vote for George W. Bush twice. My mother voted for Ronald Reagan. They wouldn't change their party because that was emotion, but I was able to yeah. reason with them. So I don't dismiss all of them. But you're quite right. You take up somebody like like Jeff Zucker, the former head of CNN. He's on tape. Project Veritas has people on tape uh, at CNN uh, producers saying that in our nine o'clock meeting every morning with Jeff Zucker, Jeff Zucker hates Donald Trump, has a vendetta against Donald Trump, and he wants us to do anti-Trump stories to the to the exclusion of other news. That's evil. That's villain. Right. That's villainy. Well, and to your point about your family, I feel like my job here today is to stop a civil
3: war um instead of promote my gigs um to your point i'm really glad you brought up your family because what i was gonna say and i'm not disagreeing with you guys a ton but i want to say that twitter liberals uh antifa liberals media liberals are far different than And same with conservatives. Then the people I meet at jujitsu who we're all hanging out. We don't care about political parties. Maybe people on the left are like, yeah, I'm liberal because, like, I don't care if gay people marry and I'm against the war. And that's kind of all they know. They're not on Twitter. They're not trying to stir stuff up. They barely know about January 6th, nor do they
1: care about it. I had a meeting with a friend in New York, and when I tried explaining to him that Democrats tried to legalize abortion up to the point of birth, he said that's impossible. That can't be true. And I said, you are actively speaking out, this person with a high profile platform, in defense of their bill without having read it because you can't believe that I would be right at all. Even though you didn't read it. That's the banality of evil. When people engage in evil actions and it's become a normal process. What I don't understand
3: though man is like, I'm an artist, which means legally I have to hate myself. So I cannot be a special case. I cannot be the only person that when in a room with you guys. hears something I don't know and go, oh, damn, I never thought of it that way. Except I feel like there are other people out there like that. During,
2: during the debates, Bernie Sanders was specifically asked, do you believe that there's a point beyond which an abortion is murder? I don't know. Are you gonna and be- he basically said no. Uh, and when I was running for governor, uh, the Texas so-called fetal uh, heartbeat bill got passed, yeah. and I was asked over and over again about abortion because I'm pro-life, and I said, "Will you just ask my opponent, Gavin Newsom, just one time? At what point does he feel that pregnancy has gone so far that it would be then become become murder?" And they never ask him. And his position is up to including the moment before before birth. Although
3: Larry, I can say if we disagree on everything else <clears throat> the rest of the show we can agree and become friends on the fact that i too do not like gavin newsom mm-hmm. he's uh, got, got great hair though he you know, had, he's, he's so great handsome but he looks like yeah. american psycho you know? yeah regarding like, the yeah, banality yeah, it's the basements in the body it's hair. come up
4: a few times about accusing people of being the banality of evil tim's you have actually called me the banality of evil multiple times but i think that like <laughs> we're, sure. never stuck <laughs> we're supporting slavery in china that's getting us this cheap technology like my my cell phone was only 600 bucks instead of 1150 because it was was made by chinese slaves we have factory farming like that's not evil that's evil to do that to animals and but we live that that's part of our existence we are the banality of evil as americans we are fascist and that's just part of the game right now i
1: just i disagree so my point on the banality of evil is an individual who's taking direct action that is evil uh this is an interesting point. If you if you if you've ever watched the show The Good Place,
3: yeah, yeah it's one of my Great favorite shows. They,
1: they make the point that life has become so complicated, it's impossible to get into the good place, basically heaven, because no matter what you do, you're doing something bad. You you buy some flowers for a friend to cheer them up. Well, those flowers have pesticides, which is killing bees, which came from slave labor. I can understand the complexities of of, of human life on the planet, and like you mentioned, sweatshop labor and all those things, but. There could be people who are actively opposed to that, speaking out against it and trying to stop it. The difference is when you cheer on and vote for, intentionally, FBI that being
4: weaponized to go after people and destroy. That's very different. It concerns me because, as well, at least I was taught, like, that's not good. You don't want to support the evil that you're trying—you don't want to use evil to destroy evil. It doesn't work like that. You become the evil you're trying to okay. end— um, but I don't know if everybody was raised like that, and if they weren't, then I can't. I maybe the banal, but the banal is that the right word? We're, we're, it we're, is we're, now. We're buddy. talking about two <laughs> different things, banal. though. Yeah. Banal. We're, we're talking yeah, about yeah, two that's... different things, though. I agree with you. There
1: is an issue that we all kind of just churn along, not realizing that uh, uh, the computers we have are made by people who are, you know, Foxconn Labs when they are committing mass suicide and things like that. Those are all really bad. And for a lot of people, like I immediately stopped using iPhones when I found out about that. Granted, a lot of components still come from those factories, but I was like, I didn't know, I didn't know, and when I learned, I said, I have to change that.
3: I can't get mad at you for the green bubbles anymore.
1: <laughs> but when it comes to what's happening with what you know, Larry's talking about, trying to let them know, they say, I don't care. That's the difference. Yeah.
2: And what what also was scary is the unwillingness to look at the the result of your actions, even if your actions were uh, the intent was, was a with a valid intent or a a kind intent. Uh, the 800-pound elephant in the room in this country is the large number of kids who enter the world without a father married to the mother. Mm. In 1965, 25% of black kids enter the world without a father married to the mother. And forget about elder. Barack Obama once said, a kid raised without a dad is five times more likely to commit uh to be poor and, and commit crime, nine times more likely to drop out of school and 20 times more likely to end up in prison. Mm-hmm. Now it's 70% of black kids in the world without a father married to the mother. It's because the welfare state has incentivized women to marry the government and incentivized men to abandon their financial and moral responsibility. 40% of all kids in America are born without a father in the house, 25% of white kids, half of all Hispanic kids. And we are doing nothing about it. We're not even talking about it. Even Republicans don't talk about it. And when you don't have a father in the house, it's not just an act, a a, um, a financial problem, which is which is huge. It's you don't see two adults interact civilly, resolve problems. You don't see somebody get up and go to work in the morning when he doesn't want feel like going. All the values that it takes in order to be a responsible citizen, you don't have. That's why we have so much crime and such dropouts right now, and a lot of people who are functionally illiterate. Eighth, eighty-five percent of eighth grade black kids in America. Can neither read nor write at proficiency levels. Mm-hmm. That means 85% of eighth graders, black eighth graders, are functionally illiterate. Mm-hmm. When you are functionally illiterate, you are easily misled by emotion. And it's a huge problem, and both, both parties, in my opinion, completely ignore that issue. Yeah, right? I
4: think, well, I think it, it aids certain political parties because the kids end up looking to the government, they look for a strong man, right. they look for a father. And
2: a boogeyman. And, and they, and they look for something that made them a victim. Right. And that's why so many black people are misled into believing
1: that America is systemically racist. I, it is not. I was I was talking to uh, I was I was talking to some uh, local school professionals, and one of the things that I was talking about with some people there was, people don't know <clears> what <throat> to do with their lives. People yeah, want yeah. to work hard, but let's say this: let's say right now you uh, lost your job and you're like, you know what I really love doing? I really love making birdhouses. How do I start a company that makes birdhouses? I don't know. Step one. The funny thing is, we look at video games like World of Warcraft, so popular. It's gamified, this, this, this dopamine release where you accomplish goals, but it's fake. The difference I was talking about, why is it that people will sit there playing a video game where they get the, the forest leather boots right. of agility, but they won't just go and actually level themselves up? Right. The thing is—
3: No forest boots, that's why.
1: No, it's because in the real world, there is no quest giver who says, if you do 10 push-ups, you will then see plus one strength. They, there's 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 no leadership. And it's in line with what you're saying about fathers. When you have someone who says, here is your quest, and they accomplish their quest, they get a dopamine hit. It feels good. In a video game, they tell you what to do. You do it, it works. You've accomplished your goal. Yeah. This is what we we're missing from in real life. We're starting to lose in real life, as you were mentioning, mm-hmm. with that. With and, and
2: the irony, the, the information to build a birdhouse and to start a business has never been more accessible. All you have to do is go online. Right. Never has information been more easily obtained and cheaply obtained than it is right now. But you don't have somebody to give you guidance. You don't have somebody to tell you you need to defer gratification. Work hard. There's a connection between that and, and having a good result.
1: And this is why I think the, the, one of the reasons the, the Democrats are so hell-bent on stopping school choice because you keep people ignorant, what happens? They graduate from college doing the wrong things and then think, I don't understand what I'm supposed to do. If what I did didn't work, the system must not work. Yeah. Meanwhile, mm-hmm. people with proper guidance succeed. They find that success and they say, you can make it You can make it happen. So what I want to see happen is people get good guidance and leadership so Absolutely. they know those first steps. Absolutely. But that's not what we're getting from the school system. That's not what we're getting from welfare programs. That's what we're
4: getting from David Goggins. Right. <laughs> people like Goggins and Rogan and you, Tim. People like – I mean, time, I, I followed every, your work, Larry, you know, but uh, you uh people like Larry Elder. Like,
3: every time I struggle, every time I'm depressed, I don't go to a therapist. I'm like – Type in David, God God right. <laughs> David I literally looked up
2: Jocko breakup advice yeah. after my last <laughs> breakup. So um, Jordan Peterson. I, 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 as I said, I, I've been on radio for 30 years. And in 30 years, I have not been able to get Jesse Jackson on my radio show, Maxine Waters, uh, Al Sharpton, uh, uh, Louis Farrakhan, even though I've reached out to them hundreds of times. The one so-called black leader, a term I don't particularly like, who came on my show is a guy named Kowasey Mfume. He's a congressman from Maryland. Uh, at the time, he was a president of the NAACP. He was a congressman both before and after becoming president of the NAACP. And my first question was, Mr. M. as between the presence of white racism or the absence of black fathers, which poses the bigger problems of the black community? Hmm. Without missing a beat, Ian, he said the absence of black fathers. Wow. wow! Again, far and away the biggest problem. And Barack Obama's first book was all about the angst over not having a dad in his house, Dreams from My Father. Al Sharpton had a nice middle-class life until his father ran away with another woman. Into the hood he went. Uh, Louis Farrakhan's mother was estranged from uh, her husband, had a boyfriend, took back up with Louis Farrakhan, uh, and she tried to abort him with a coat hanger. Jesse Jackson's mother wow. was a teenage mom who lived next next door to a married man who impregnated her. And Jackson grew up in South Carolina when growing up with, without a dad was rare. Mm-hmm. And he was teased, Jesse ain't got no daddy, Jesse ain't got no daddy. The reason I'm mentioning this is these are arguably the four most prominent so-called black leaders, all of whom either had no relationship with their dads or a poor relationship with one. And they never talk about it. Obama every now and then says something, but by and large, they never talk about it. They talk about racism, racism, racism when it's never been less significant in America.
1: You mentioned early in the show, your dad and that you had, you know, a 10 year period, maybe yeah. a falling out. Right. But prior to that, how was it for you growing up with your dad?
2: Well, my father uh was, was uh, grouchy and angry and he spanked us a lot. My mm. two brothers with, with, with belts and I thought it was excessive and I intensely disliked the man and fortunately when I'm a little kid he, 10 years old he starts a little cafe and I have to work for the SOB and he still <laughs> yells at me now I'm 15 years old Tim and I said to myself next time he yells at me and we're talking about a diner where everybody can hear everything it's not like it's privately in the back he yells and screams at me and you're looking at, at customers watching the whole thing I said I'm going to walk out next time this SOB yells at me and it took me three or four times to work up the courage to do it but I did when I was 15 years old My dad came home. He paid me $10 a day plus tips. He bowled up the $10 as I lay on the bed. He threw it at me and he said, why did you leave? And for the first time, I spoke back to my dad. And I said, Dad, I got sick and tired of the way you spoke to me. I'm not putting up with it anymore. Mm-hmm. He walked out of my bedroom, Tim. And for the next 10 years, we didn't speak to each other at all. Wow. Mm-hmm. At all. Yeah. I, I go to college. I go to uh, law school. I come home to visit my mom, of course. College was in New England. Law school was in the Midwest. I come back to L.A. to visit my mom. But I'd make but sure my dad wasn't around when I, when, when I was in the room. You were 15? I was 15 when this happened uh but then i graduated from high school my dad worked long hours for so the next 2 years i just made sure we weren't in the same room wow. then i then i go to new england for for college midwest for law school end up working in cleveland and i would visit my mom all these years of course but i would just make sure my dad and i were not in the same room we said nothing to each other for 10 years now but- just just real quickly um now i'm 25 years old i passed a california bar the ohio bar i should be living large i'm 25 years old making the equivalent of 150k <laughs> and i can't sleep Mm -hmm. And I know it has to do with my dad. So I told my secretary, call my call my clients, tell them I'm going to be away for three days. I'm flying to L.A. I'll be back. Uh, And so I didn't tell my parents I was coming because I didn't want my dad to prepare. So I go to get to LAX, took a cab to the cafe. Cafe closed at 2.30. I got there at 1.30. And my dad was shocked to see me. I had two big bags with me. And he said, shall I put your bags in the back? I said, no, Dad. I'm going to be here for five or 10 minutes. I want to tell you something. So he said, wait till we close. So I sat there for an hour and I said... All right, don't tee off on the sob. Just give him the highlights. Five ten minute conversation. He'll call you an ungrateful, grateful son. You'll call him a cruel father, and maybe you'll be able to sleep when you get back to Cleveland. Mm. So my dad sat down, and I teed off for him for a half hour. You know how I can go. (laughs) We just now met, but you know how (laughs) you know how how I go, Jamie. Everybody, he can go. So (laughs) I spoke for a half hour, nonstop. Every spanking, every whipping. The time when my cousin Elaine came to Cleveland from Cleveland to visit me, and he whipped me in front of her. How humiliating that was. I told him everything, Mm. and my dad just took it. Every now and then he'd lean over and pour coffee and replenish his coffee, but he just took it. And when I was done, I was spent. I couldn't think of anything else. And my dad looked up and said, is that it? (sighs) You didn't speak speak to me for 10 years because of that? Now, I should tell you, I knew nothing about my father's life other than I knew he was an only child because we never got any Christmas presents. And I met his mom one time. Outside of that, I knew nothing about his life. I didn't care. I didn't like him. (sighs) He said, let me tell you about my father. You know your last name, Elder? I said, yes. He said, that's not my father's last name. I said, what? What's your father's last name? He said, I have no idea. I never met him. You never met your father? Who's Elder? Elder was some guy who was in my life the longest, four years. My mother could neither read nor write. She had a series of boyfriends, each one more irresponsible than the one before. Elder was an alcoholic, was physically abusive to me. And when I tried to stop him from beating my mother, he would beat me. And I came home at 13 years old, he said. And I started fighting with my mom's then boyfriend. By that time, Elder was long gone. And my mother sided with the boyfriend and threw me out of the house 13 years old never to return Athens Georgia Jim Crow South at the beginning of the Great Depression I said well dad what did you do and for the next eight hours Mm. the man told me about his life two stools as close as you and I are and for the first time I I saw my father cry when he talked about the way Elder treated him for eight hours, my dad walked me through his life. I said, well, what did you do when you left the house? I went down the road. I picked up trash. I did this. Uh, I became a Pullman porter. They were the private, largest private employers of blacks in those days. My dad came out to California on a run. And he was able to walk through the front door of a restaurant and get served. And he was shocked. And he said, maybe I'll make a middle note to relocate to California. Pearl Harbor, my dad, joins the Marines. I said, Dad, why the Marines? Anybody who's listening to us who's in the Marines knows what I'm going to say. Two reasons. Number one, they go where the action is. Number two, I love the uniforms. <laughs> my dad was stationed on Guam, where he became a staff sergeant in charge of cooking for the colored, so- colored soldiers. Gets out, co- comes back to Chattanooga, where you're appearing. Thank you. Um, and once <laughs> I worked that in, uh, where, he met, where he met, met where he married my mom to get him a job as a short order cook. That's what he did in the military. And they said, I'm sorry, we don't hire niggers. He went to restaurant after restaurant. I'm sorry, we don't hire niggers. Goes to an unemployment office, goes through the door. The lady says, you went through the wrong door. said, colored only. My dad goes through that door to the very same lady who sent him out. My dad told my mom, this is BS. I'm going to L.A., where I was before the war. I'm going to get a job as a cook. I'll send for you. Comes out to L.A., walks around for a day and a half, and he said, sorry, you don't have any references. My dad said, I need references to make ham and eggs? Mm And, uh, but they treated him the same way as they did, uh, in, in Chattanooga, I'm a little more polite, Yeah. goes to the unemployment office, just one door this time. Lady didn't have anything. My dad said, what time do you close? She says, nine, what time do you, uh, what time do you open? She said, nine, what time do you close? Five. My dad said, I'll be sitting in that chair until you find me something. Sat there for a whole day. Nothing <sighs> came back oh. the next day. She calls him up. I've got something. I don't know whether or not you're going to want it. My dad said, of course I'm going to want it. I'm starting a family. What is it? She says, job cleaning toilets and Nabisco brand bread. My dad did that for 10 years, took a second full-time job cleaning toilets at another bread bread company. He had a hookup, cooked for a family on the weekend to make additional money, went to night school three nights a week to get his GED so he could have a stay-at-home wife. The man never slept, which is why he was so grouchy. Uh. And my dad then said, you know, and the other other time I was married, you were married before mom? I thought he was going to say six months, three months, seven years. What happened? She cheated on me. She couldn't have any kids. And then the other time I was married, you were married (laughs) twice before, mom. (laughs) I was 18 years old. I married a girl 18. Her parents found out I was an eighth grade dropout, marched her down to the courthouse, annulled the marriage. So you were married three times. Why would you get married after that happened to you? He looked at me like I had eight heads. He said, because, Larry, I wanted you. So eight hours, my dad gets bigger and bigger and bigger, Tim. Elder gets smaller and smaller and smaller. Now I'm crying. Hmm. And I said, Dad, please forgive me for judging you so harshly. Hmm. My dad said, don't worry about it. Just follow the advice I've always given you and your brothers. I get cited in my sleep. Hard work wins. You get Mm -hmm. out of life what you put into it. Larry, you cannot control the outcome, but you are 100% in control of the effort. And before you moan, groan about what somebody did to you or said to you, go to the nearest mirror, look at it, and ask yourself, what could I have done to change the outcome? And finally, he said, no matter how good you are, how hard you work, bad Things are going to happen to you. How you address those bad things will tell your mother and me if we raised a man. From that point on, next 35 years, my dad and I were the best of friends. I wrote a book about this called Dear Father, Dear Son, Two Lives, Eight Hours um, about the conversation. The reason it's titled that, and I flew back to Cleveland, my dad wrote me a letter. He never wrote me a letter in his life. And it started out, dear son. He never called me dear right. son. He never called me son. I wrote back and I called him father. I never called him father. Mm-hmm. And my dad and I became the best of friends from that point on. But if anybody, anybody had a right to hate America, to believe America was systemically racist, it's my dad. Yeah. And he never believed that. He, my dad was a Republican. And my dad always said this about the Democratic Party. And then I'll, then I'll shut up. Democrats want to give you something for nothing. When you try and get something for nothing, you almost always end up getting nothing for something. Mm. Larry, will you be my dad?
1: (laughs) Let let me me ask you then, uh, based on what your dad was saying, you mentioned um, Jim Crow's self. Mm -hmm. Your father, they wouldn't give him work, outright slurring at him. Why don't you – first, I guess the question is, what do you think systemic racism is? And then why would you say there isn't any?
2: Well, systemic racism means top-down stuff, Mm -hmm. uh, the way it used to be during Jim Crow. Uh, I, I'd ask you to give me the example of, of a corporation, Fortune 500 corporation, an institution, uh, college, media, uh, uh, military, where there's top-down racism. You can't come up with it. The, 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 uh, media is relen- relentlessly left-wing. Academia, same thing. The military, uh, is quite diverse. Uh, give me, give me the name, name the corporation. Whenever there, whenever there's a corporation where somebody says something arguably racist, like Texaco did a few years ago. CEO on tape referring to the employees as, I don't think he said N-word, but he said something disparaging. Mm-hmm. Goes on TV, apologizes, Texaco loses Hundreds of millions of dollars uh, in equity, uh, and then they be end up having a program to advance the uh, the careers of the black employees at Texaco. Uh, Papa John, remember he was on a call oh, one yeah. time. He said something. Uh, he was he was quoting somebody else and said the N word. Lost his own company. Uh, there, uh, John, there's a guy named John O. Sullivan. He used to be the editor of the National Review. He said white racism exists, but its social power is weak. The social power against it overwhelming. There's no upside today in any corporation blatantly, openly, even subtly
1: being racist. So let me, let me uh, get your thoughts on this. I was, uh, I was down covering the Ferguson riots back mm-hmm. when the Michael Brown stuff happened, and I did a documentary on what people there referred to as systemic racism. What they, what, how it was explained to us is St. Louis is actually a very small city outside of St. Louis in St. Louis County actually it's it's right. like 90 some odd cities. Right. These cities were formed uh when uh are you familiar with Pruitt-Igo? Mm-hmm. It was one of the first if not the first um like uh community housing project housing and it was in St. Louis and one, once it fell into disrepair, you started to get crime in the area, things started to get bad, and white people in St. Louis started to flee the city and then form new new surrounding suburbs. I bet
2: you middle class blacks also f- fled the city.
1: It's possible. Mm-hmm. So, what happens today is you have areas that are, you, you end up uh, seeing racially fra- fractured uh, communities. One area is all white. They had racial covenants, which were eventually made illegal, but mm-hmm. then you have, you know, a white grandfather gives it to his son who gives it to his, you know, son or whatever. You have areas that are predominantly white, black, or otherwise. What ends up happening is you have impoverished black people as a result of a lot of these policies. Because of the way the cities are set up. They should move. Well, And, and nothing's stopping them from moving. Move. We interviewed people and asked them about it. And they said... Move. I, I, was, I, I lived, lived in Cleveland for a
2: number of years. And I remember uh, when I first got there in 1977, there was a newscast of all these white people living in Akron uh, where there was 25% unemployment complaining about the steel mills uh, going, going away. Rust belt. And I was looking at the television. And I said, Move! 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 What's stopping
1: you from moving? Get up and move. Jail, What do you mean jail? So I want to get your thoughts on on, what their accusation uh, are on their claims. What ends up happening is something they call going on tour, where if you have a busted taillight, and you drive from your town, four miles to your job. You go through four or five cities. Mm-hmm. You get pulled over in each one. You get a ticket in each one. And then you go on tour through their jails where one $20 infraction you can't pay for turns into four weekends in jail where they keep trading you to the next poli- the police stations. So this is, this is what they refer to as remnants of racial covenants, which created multiple jurisdictions, which have a negative impact on people today. Okay. We did ask people, why don't you move the area? Well, people who have negative bank accounts—I mean, theoretically, could just start walking—but I think for a lot of people that they don't know, or it's just not reasonable. I suppose I'm not saying that is systemic racism. It's what they claim is systemic racism, and well, it's how I,
2: I, of course, followed Ferguson greatly, and the Obama White House comes in and they c- accuse the Ferguson PD of being systemically racist for the reasons that you mentioned. It turns out that Ferguson is 67% black, but 85% of the traffic stops were of, of black people. 18-point gap. Ergo. Systemic racism. Apply that same logic to New York. New York is 25 percent black, but almost 55 percent of the traffic stops are black people. That's a 30 point gap, even bigger than Ferguson. Yet NYPD officers, street officers, majority of them are people of color. Turns out that Obama did a study called Race and Traffic Stop, came out in twenty thirteen by the National Institutes of Justice, which is a research arm of the DOJ, and you name the traffic offense a black motorist was more likely to violate it, whether it was speeding, driving without a uh without a with an expired tag, driving without a proper headlight, uh driving without a seatbelt, driving without a, a child safety seat in the back when you have a kid, you name the offense black motorists were more likely to commit the offense. Stop committing crimes. If your if, if your if your tail light is busted, fix it. Don't expect people to give you some slack just because you're black.
1: Fix it. Take responsibility. The, so uh, the response we got was that if you have to choose between paying for gas or registering your plate or whatever, people are going to choose probably to pay for the gas to move the car knowing that they're going to get, you know, they run the risk. The issue is the structure of the jurisdictions turning one infraction into four, which then results in you get a ticket you can't pay. It's 50 bucks. You say, well, I couldn't pay for the $20 registration. I can't pay for the $50 fine. So the police come and they say, you're going to spend a weekend in jail then. But the moment you get out of jail, the next department is waiting right outside saying, you're coming to us next. So what they refer to as institutional racism is not that the individual officers are being racist, but that due to the remnants of the past, there are negative consequences for people who live in this jurisdiction, jurisdiction today, and they don't know what to do to stop it, solve it, or get out. Uh,
2: again, I, I would just say it's a real simple solution. Don't commit crimes. Uh, in In Baltimore, where Freddie Gray died, Freddie Gray died in police custody. Remember, he was, he was the one who was in the van. Yeah. Uh, there were six officers who were, who were prosecuted. Three of the officers were black. The state attorney who brought the charges was black. City council was all Democrat, majority black. The mayor was black, number one, number two, running the police department, black. Uh, the U.S. Attorney General at the time, Loretta Lynch, is black, as was the president. Now, these are black people running the entire system, and still people are talking about it being systemically racist. I'm reminded of that joke that Wanda Sykes said. Mm. How are you going to complain about the man when you are the man? Mm. And uh, <laughs> I- I'd like to know what the officials are uh, in St. Louis, who they are in all these areas. My suspicion is they're regular people trying to do their jobs, and, and they're not bigots.
0: I I just think this is just... Well, a- and
3: you can still say the system's broken. You can still say that people should not be dying in police custody. You can still say that cops Agreed. need but better do, training. But, but, do them should- on,
2: but do them on a case-by-case basis. Yeah, well, that, that's nonsense. what I'm saying.
3: It should be case-by-case, and it always has to be all or nothing when we're right. screaming at each other on Twitter. But, like, a lot of times, it's not racism. It's that cop didn't train jiu and doesn't know right. how to put on a proper chokehold or doesn't know when a person is there's,
2: completely out and just needs to be trained There's better. a city in... in uh, California called Rialto. Rialto is around 100,000 people. Racially, it reflects the demographics of California. The same percentage of Hispanics, blacks, uh, Asians, uh, his, uh, and whites. And the cops, a few years ago, were ordered to wear body cams. They didn't want to at first. Uh, and they wore them. After a year, what happened? Police complaints fell 90%. And police use of force fell 50 percent, not because the police were engaging uh, in any kind of different uh, activity. They were they behaved as they always were, always been trained. Civilians stopped lying on them. And they started complying, and as a result, the police didn't need to use the force anymore. They stopped filing lawsuits, yeah. uh, and because it is it's illegal to file a false lawsuit against a cop. So it turns out the civilians were the ones who were making a bunch of false allegations, as did Michael Brown during Ferguson. Uh, Michael Brown's friend uh, who said "hands up, don't shoot"
1: turned out to be a complete lie. Even Obama, it was uh, I think Holder, uh, Eric Holder's uh, AG, uh, Department at, of Justice uh, at, 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 the,
2: at the time. Yeah, and it turns out that. Um, uh, the Michael Brown's DNA was on the officer's gun. He tried to get the gun and his friend, I think his name was Dorian Johnson or something said that my friend said, hands up, don't shoot. And it turns out a complete and total lie. They lied. The police are lied on all the time. And when they got busted uh, because of Rialto, they stopped doing it.
3: I just wanted to circle back real quick to what you were saying about, actually what Tim was saying about this kind of. When you feel like you're, you're underwater, right? I don't have money to, to get out of these situations. I think a lot of what we're talking about right now, it's institutional problems, right? It's the government, welfare state. We're, we're doing a lot of talking about them. But for people listening to the show, mm-hmm. right? Before you have a kid before you're ready or split, um, on the mom, before you end up in a situation. I mean, man, I've been in situations where, you just feel like you just feel like checking out is the only answer where it's, you know, you're broke and you finally get a thing and then that falls through and then you just keep digging, 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 digging. What's your because, man, I was so touched by the story What's you told this? about your dad. What's your personal advice? So forget the it's institutions. Real, it's, it's, right real, it's real, now real simple. Uh,
2: they're They're probably the most prominent think tank on the left is the Brookings Institution. And one of the ones on the right is called the American Enterprise Institute. They don't agree on anything, but they agree on what they call the millennial success sequence. Finish high school. Ideally one where you can read, write, and compute at grade level. That's why I support school choice. But first of all, finish high school. Don't have a kid until you're 25 years old, until you're 20 years old. Get married before you have the kid. Get a job. Keep that job. Any job, even a minimum wage job. Don't quit it until you get another job. Within six months, you'll get a raise. And finally, avoid the criminal justice system. C- committing an act of crime is a voluntary act. You don't have to do it. You follow that formula, you will not be poor and you'll get to the middle class. You don't, there's a very good chance you're going to be poor.
1: So there's, uh I I, I, uh, I agree mostly. I would just say when it comes to, uh, at least where I grew up, they were, ignorance of the law is no excuse for breaking it. So I, as well as many other people, have found ourselves unwittingly having committed a crime, not realizing it was because it was seemingly innocuous. Mm-hmm. Like, When you get a ticket when you're driving in Illinois, you can keep driving. It's no no problem. You got a ticket. It's like, so you drive, they take your ID, you keep the ticket. When you get pulled over, you show them the ticket. They say, okay, you pay it off. They send you your ID back. What I didn't know, because they don't tell you this in driver's ed or anything, is that if you get two moving violations under the age of 21, they suspend your license. So sure enough, I got a class A misdemeanor, which was a threat of a year in jail and like a $2,500 fine. Mm -hmm. It wasn't just something I could avoid. I didn't even know it was happening. Mm -hmm. So that took away my ability to drive for like two years. Because not only was my license suspended, then I got caught driving on a suspended license, which I didn't even know was suspended.
2: And you couldn't blame systemic racism.
1: Well, so <laughs> no, he enough, did. <laughs> my, my point is simply, though, you know, I feel like the system is 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 it, a simple way to put it is it might be easy to say avoid the law, but for a lot of people, the system is just busted. Yeah, right? well, and same these, with the these ways, right?
3: I, I was just going to say, same with um, sex education. So much sex education is not the best in this country. And I feel like especially for if you're pro-life, you should want the best sex education possible so that people don't even get into this a situation where they would even want an abortion. So maybe a lot of it does start with education when it comes to the law, when it comes to learning a trade, when it comes to sex education.
2: I think. But, but, but Tim, it's hard to go to jail. They don't want you to go to jail, especially when you're young. They have all sorts of programs, juvenile programs, diversionary programs. It is hard to go to jail. You've got to commit a crime to go to jail. You've got to hurt somebody to go to jail. It's hard to go to jail. They don't want to put you there. Gavin Newsom released 8,000 convicted yeah. felons, some, some of whom were violent felons mm-hmm. because of, of COVID. They don't want you there. The, I, just the idea that somebody is hiding behind a, a tree with a net looking to, to snare black people is just a, it's just a lie. Well, for sure, <laughs> sure, right, sure. Lie.
1: But, uh, you know, and, and again, I think we're outside of racism at this point. Just talking about, you know, I, I, Past the success right. I would agree for the most part uh, With you I think the issue of crime Is not even about jail It was about I wasn't able to drive for, for So for for two right. years on it At this point it's like That'll make it harder I, To get a job I, I couldn't do anything yeah. mm-hmm. I was like So I was like Okay I guess I'll go live In the city Where I don't need to drive I had no choice
2: You're still in America Absolutely. You're still in America Absolutely. Where, where, where people in Cuba are braving shark-infested waters to get here, where people from Haiti are trying to get here, Central America, Mexico. They would love to trade places with us as we sit here and in in, in, in bitch and moan about relatively minor things.
1: Now, I agree with you on that. My attitude uh, on all this stuff is when you tell people to move, like that's actually what I did. So I had the, I did that too. 200 bucks in my pocket, and I found a ride share to California, and I was like, I'll sleep on the beach. I don't care. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to stay in a bad situation. Right. And so my attitude actually is very much in line with that. So you pick
2: up your cards and play them to the best
4: of your ability. That is your duty. That is your moral obligation. I thought it was interesting how you talked about not knowing the law about the the tail wasn't tail lights or uh, uh, suspended license getting yeah. like it's it's systemic ignorance maybe of the law. But what it makes me think of when I think of systemic racism is that 200 years ago all these. Black people from Africa were slaves, and they were intentionally not educated. They were intentionally not taught to read and write. Then they were eventually let out or whatever. Slavery ended. They had kids. They didn't know how to read and write. They didn't know how to teach their kids. The kids didn't know how to read and write. Then they had kids. And for the most part, education is passed down generation through the family. Without that, we have a systemic ignorance problem. But they call it racism just because they happen to have been from Africa, those slaves. They could have been. They could have been like Italian, you know, they just weren't at that time. But maybe there was a reason that their skin color was dark. I just don't think it's a skin color issue. I think that's a good point. I think the implication today is,
1: you know, often what I talk to people about is the policies of racism have like been made illegal and and you actually can make are people who make money suing whenever they perceive it. Like right now you've got these selected videos where a a Muppet person (laughs) won't hug a black kid. But they don't show you the videos where the Muppet people don't hug the white kids either and right. things like that. They're, they're just like-
3: very bad Muppets, you guys. <laughs> or
1: whatever you call them. I don't know if they're Muppets. It's, yeah, like it's, 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 it's
2: Rosita, and, and it t- took place at Sesame Place in Philadelphia. Uh, and there's videos showing Rosita high-fiving white kids, ignoring black kids. And when somebody made that video, put it on, on web, uh, it went viral. And a bunch of other people who went to Sesame Place over the years <sighs> – found videos where this thing was happening so maybe something is going on there but my problem is this uh, the $25 million class action lawsuit been filed Jesse Jackson writes a letter to Sesame Place accuses them of engaging systemic racism the family that filed the lawsuit is from Baltimore Philadelphia has had black mayors uh, the uh, police chief is a black female the superintendent of school is a, is a black person um, the family from Baltimore files a lawsuit, as I mentioned. There are 13 public high schools in Baltimore where 0% of the kids can do math at grade level, 0%, 13 high schools. W- another half a dozen where 1% can. That's half of all the high schools in Baltimore where the kids in the inner city are either 0 prof- proficient in math or only 1% uh, are, are proficient. Jesse Jackson said nothing about that. He said nothing about the fact that Philadelphia, where Sesame Place is, is on track to register the highest number of murders in the city's history. Most of them are black. Jackson says nothing about that. But he goes ballistic over some four-year-old kid not being high-fived by Rosita. It's ridiculous. And whether or not this kid responds to this in a sensible way depends entirely upon the parent to put it in perspective. Where's Jackson on these other things? Nowhere. Do you think that leads to more people taking
3: actual racism less seriously.
2: Absolutely it does.
3: Because it trivializes the whole whole word racism. Well, and that's what I was wondering. and, And that's been one of the things that has gotten me so just over so much of the left. It's that if you start conflating... Um, A sexist joke with sexual assault, if you start conflating the Muppet thing with, you know, actual hate crimes, then you're getting all of these people that are just going to suddenly they hear the word racism and they go, oh, what? Like that stupid Muppet thing. And you're 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 essentially you're taking away any meaning from it because I don't think you're saying that racism isn't real but the problem is if we're talking about these fake stories then we can't actually come up with solutions about what to do with real racism and i thought about our friend bill ottman who did the minds convention that we all performed at and he actually had because you were talking about a lot of black intellectuals not going on your show but he had coleman hughes on a panel with cornell west and it was Awesome, because they were respectful to each other and they were both looking for solutions. And I think it is so cowardly of Democratic black intellectuals not to go on your show because it shouldn't be about we're just going to shout talking points at each other. If you care about racism, you want all voices from all political sides to be like, hey, man, there's a problem. What do we do to fix it?
1: But let me just say, as you mentioned, you've got murder, you've got homicide. But what are these lawyers going for? perceived slights right. at, a, mm-hmm. at a wealthy theme mm-hmm. park or something, maybe it's just for the lawsuits. Well, not wealthy. We people. were poor and couldn't afford Disney World. Ja- Jamie, no, no. I, has I, to I
5: did, did
2: uh, <laughs> no, C-SPAN yesterday yeah. for two hours. And a guy calls up, black guy, and he says, you know, I, I watch a lot of uh, black talk show hosts, and I never see you on any of them. Yeah. I never see you on uh, on uh, Roland Martin's show, he yeah. said. Uh, I never see you on any of the other shows. And I said, well, I debated Roland Martin before the election. I killed him. Sure. Uh, he has a radio show. He's never invited me on it. Mm-hmm. Um Charlamagne, the God has a very popular show. Yeah, no, uh, I know reached out to him to have him come on my radio show. Didn't hear back. I was on a, I, I was too. on a flight uh, a few months ago with a guy named a guy named Bill Bellamy sat next to me. He's yep. a, you know he's a oh, comedian. Yeah, You're yeah, comedian, yeah, yeah, yeah. and, and we had a long conversation, and he said, you know, my, one of my friends is Charlemagne the God. Why don't you go on his on his show? And I said, can you set that up? He said, yeah, I, I can do that. We exchange information I never heard Ugh. back. Mm. Yeah. Now, and we t- only do we just show up, knock on the door, say, hey, interview me. Right. It doesn't work that and way. Charles, you okay. got to be invited. Yeah. Tim invited me on his show. I didn't just show up. Yeah. That would have been awesome. Hi, Tim. Hi, Tim. <laughs> that would have been <laughs> great. Yeah. Got, 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 got Larry, two Larry. hours. Yeah.
1: If you showed up randomly knocking knocked on the door, we'd roll out the red carpet. Yeah, that would be great. You'd be invited. <laughs> that would
2: have been so funny. Joy yeah. Reid hasn't had me on his <laughs> show. The View hasn't had me on. Invite me. I'm there. Yeah. I'm, I easy to, I'm easy to find we have gotten to a point where everything <laughs> is so
3: tribalized that the idea of having a black conservative people are just so used to I scream my talking points at you you mm-hmm. scream your talking points at me instead of like hey man no if we all
2: want the best for these struggling communities, then you need to hear a diversity of opinions. Absolutely. There's a magazine called Ebony. Ebony, mm-hmm. for a time, was the most popular black magazine. Yeah. came out once a month. It still comes out, but it doesn't have the same power it has right now, owned by a different family. And every year they had a feature, Jamie, called uh, the 100 Most Influential Black Americans. Yeah. And every year, excluded from that list, list were Clarence Thomas, Thomas Sowell, mm-hmm. Who is absolutely brilliant? He's he was once called by uh, David Mamet, the playwright, America's greatest contemporary philosopher. Wow. Not included in, in Ebony and Walter Williams, the first and only black person that I know of to be the chairman of an economics department of a non historically black college. Well, they needed they r- don't r- even r- know, r- know r- who r- r- these people are. Yeah, and I didn't know
3: Tom, I didn't know Thomas Sowell. I didn't. Yeah, and I knew Clarence Thomas is like the pube guy. Like that. That's all we're told <laughs> on the left. You know what I mean? Where even if you disagree with him, it's like, so, well, so you still how, have a how, black how, how do you, how do you exclude Court?
2: somebody who's on the Supreme Court I know. from one of the most influential black people in America? Yeah. No, I agree. How do you do that? Yeah. But they did it every single year. And, of course, I was never in it. And a bunch of other people who are uh, younger uh, black conservatives were never in it.
1: Yeah. Have you uh, seen the you've seen the polling data probably more so than I on uh, uh, black voters as it pertains to the Democrats moving forward? And it's looking really bad. I hear. Is that is that correct?
2: Yeah. Well, it's, it's down. Blacks are still the only major demographic where where Biden is still above water. And by the way, uh, since you brought this up, there's this business about uh, drop kicking Biden, Kamala Harris in favor of somebody else because their poll numbers are so bad. Mm. Kamala Harris's are worse than uh, than yes. Joe Biden's. Never going to happen. The nominee in 2024 on the Democratic side will be Kamala Harris. Really? If, if Joe Biden can't make it, oh, no. they have no choice black people are the most loyal part of the Democratic base, and black women are more loyal than black men. And her approval among black females is probably in the mid-70s. And if they perceive Kamala Harris to be dropkick for somebody else, especially a white man, after decades they've indoctrinated black people into believing when you criticize a black person, often the criticism is because of sexism and racism. They cannot do that. They painted themselves into a corner. Mm -hmm. The only way Kamala Harris leaves is if she says, I want to leave. I'm not competent. I want somebody else to take my place. And (laughs) she's not going to do that because she ran for president.
1: But have you heard the that she'll take some prestigious offer at an right. NGO or something or a big global Again, initiative. Only,
2: only if she says, OK, I, I want to leave voluntarily. But if she's perceived as being kicked out, they will black women will not they will not vote Republican. They just won't vote.
1: But so so even outside yeah. of that, um, it, it's looking like the polling has gotten so bad. They say if Democrats lose, I think uh, they, they need at least 80 percent of the black vote in at order least. to win. Right. If the polling for them. Uh, if the polling for Republicans rises above 20% or something like that, like the Democrats lose outright. And mm-hmm. that's, it's looking like we're there.
2: That's right. Because the Democrats have lost the white vote since 1964. They rely on convincing black people that the issue is social justice, not crime, not schools, uh, not, not breakdown of the family, but, but the fact that there's systemic racism. And Democrats have convinced black people that
1: that's the number one problem facing America. But something weird is happening. The Democratic Party got whiter in the past couple of years and wealthier. Right. It's, well, it's like they're they've, abandoning they've, that. They've
2: always been. Yeah, there, there's yeah. a book called "Who Really Cares" by mm-hmm. a guy named Arthur C. Brooks.
1: Love.
0: He him.
2: was he was a uh, public policy professor at Syracuse. He wasn't even particularly conservative, and he found out nobody had ever done an extensive study on whether or not liberals or conservatives were were more generous or less generous. So he did a study, and he found out, much to his surprise, that conservatives were far more generous with their time and with their money than, than liberals, uh, contrary to what he thought. And it's for two reasons. First of all, conservatives are more religious than uh, than liberals. Religious. Liberals give just as much money as religious conservatives do, but there are just fewer of them. And secondly, most conservatives believe that welfare should be done people to people, church to church, organization to organization, not government. And they walk the walk and talk the talk. And so it's really interesting how a lot of black people perceive the Republicans to be only concerned about money when in fact they're more generous with their time and with their money than liberals are.
1: What do you think is going to happen in the, in the midterms or in 2024, with uh, with particularly with the black vote? Right. But I'm wondering if this precipitates just a... Well, I think Democrat Republicans failure. are
2: spiking the football a little early on the midterms uh, because uh, inflation is getting a little bit better. The gas prices are getting a little bit better and they're able to spend the jobs report, even though most of these jobs that were created the last month were part-time jobs. And the media is still in bed with Joe Biden. They can't stand Republicans. They fear, deathly fear that Donald Trump will rear his ugly head in 2024. And so no matter what it is, they spin it uh, in favor of Joe Biden. I mean, the guy doesn't even know where he is. Uh, and And the Hunter Biden story has been suppressed still and they're not connecting the dots. It's not about hunter biden's crack habit i don't care about that
1: i care about whether or not joe biden is compromised Mm -hmm. and apparently he is yeah what what i i've been saying this man people uh they look at the historical trends where uh, the president's party loses seats in their first term Mm -hmm. they're looking at these this the 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 misery index saying democrats are going to get crushed and then there are some polls that just came out recently in aggregate showing that the the race has tightened that Republicans, right. so for, for, for months, we're talking about how Republicans were up three, three points in the generic ballot, right. which is apocalyptic for Democrats. Right. Now it's like point one, mm-hmm. or even I think 538 has it inverted. Democrats have took the lead again. That's right. Still, historically, that should signal Democrats losing. But I'm telling people, if you look at that stuff and you think that means, you know, uh, if, if you're looking at all this stuff and you think you've got it in the bag, you don't. People need to go out and act as though, no matter what the Absolutely, polling, yeah. no matter what the polls are, you need to get three or even ten of your friends to go out and vote. Yeah, we're
3: treating Biden right now like a like a toxic boyfriend or girlfriend, where it's like I know I should break up with her, but I don't want to get back on Tinder. Like, and it's like mm, you, we have to, <laughs>
2: and, we and, have to and, hold well, it. And we don't know how the reversal of Roe v. Wade is going to play. Um, right. there, there are lots that, of things that, that can happen that, between now and then. That seems to have helped Democrats. It has. Yeah. So mm-hmm. if you look at the real it co- certainly helped their fundraising.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And if you look at Real Clear Politics. You can see that the gap just closed from Democrats to Republicans. Mm-hmm. In aggregate, this mm-hmm. is not one single poll. Yeah, mm-hmm.
3: and again, I don't even know if I'm a Democrat anymore, you guys. I've been calling myself a, a bleeding heart centrist, but I will say like <laughs> four liberals listening – you want to hold your party accountable. You want to have the best Democratic Party that actually has values and morals and isn't just a bunch of corporate hacks. You want the best For your party, You don't want to just blindly support a president who's doing a terrible job because that is bad for the future of the party. That's bad for
1: you. But who are you talking to?
3: I don't know, man. There's another person out there like me somewhere listening. (laughs) You just changed somebody's life. I I I hope so.
1: I feel like for you, you had to get thrown to the wolves by the left before you finally. Well, that's
3: why I'm trying to help everybody listening. It's like, guys, don't rock bottom like me. Don't let your life be destroyed before you're like me. Maybe I should have a Republican friend.
1: Just one, because they'll be like, I don't care about your politics. What was And I'm like, oh, we can just (laughs) hang out and play basketball.
4: (laughs) What was the spark where you realized something was amiss?
3: I mean, I did before my life fell apart. It was when I would hang out with prominent liberals and they would talk a certain way and say that certain things were silly. Mm -hmm. And then they would go to their Twitter and say the opposite. And that's why I'm like, oh, we're. We're lying. Um, It was when the first time I talked to people who were more conservative or libertarians were people of color at my jujitsu gym where when I went to like staff meetings of liberal publications, their get-togethers in like Park Slope, Brooklyn, it was very, very white and very, like, very, very privileged.
1: You're like, hey, all that stuff you're saying, it applies to this room. And they're like, shh, shut up.
3: Yeah, yeah. Get
1: <laughs> out. But it was that. It was they'll be tweeting
3: about Black Lives Matter as they're walking down the street and they're like, oh, black person cross the street, cross the street, cross the street. Like, it was just, uh, this, it was the hypocrisy.
1: This is Sweden, in my experience, to the T. Because mm. I went to Sweden. Do you remember that... Uh, when Donald Trump said, you know, the last night in Sweden thing, Do you I remember I, that? I, uh-uh. So this was back in 2017. There was a documentary that came up on Fox or like a short talking about crime going up in Sweden. Oh. I, I go there and I find that a lot of the claims are largely exaggerated and didn't understand the complexities of Sweden. But what I did find is that people in Sweden are so many of them, not all of them, but so much of their culture was very much in advance of how the U.S. was. They are over like they're Scandinavian white people yeah. talking about how not racist they are and then trying everything in their power to keep black people away from them <laughs> right. because they were just they, they wanted people to think they weren't racist, but they were really racist. But I, I should also say maybe that's actually wrong. Maybe I should say culturist because they didn't like people who didn't speak their language. Mm. They didn't like people who didn't look like them. So it was not just race, it was even even white people who didn't speak, you know, Swedish, they'd be like, Well, we don't want to work with you. It's yeah. just we don't we don't want you around.
4: They're just D bags in general. I'm thinking like yeah. if you're raised if I was raised in like a tribe in Africa with people with darker skin tone or whatever, that I then I would be weirded out by people with light skin tone if I saw it. not necessarily weirded out, but like it's a familiarity bias. I don't even know what racism is. Like I think racism small R and racism big R. Big R is where you're like, you're different than me. It's you know racial slur, and where a small r maybe is more classist. I don't know.
2: But but this, again, this is America. This is the only majority white country that's elected a black president. Mm-hmm. There is a sociologist at Harvard. All sociologists are left wing. His name is <laughs> his name is Orlando <laughs> Patterson. He's black. And in the nineties, he says America is the least racist majority white society in the world. Mm-hmm. Provides more opportunities for blacks than any society in the world, including all of those of Africa. Mm-hmm. When my, I want to tell you a quick story, Jamie. When my when my race was over, I'm in a restaurant in L.A. on the west side, and I get there, and my buddy hasn't arrived yet, and there's a table next to me with two ladies, and I think they feel sorry for me, yeah. so they start talking to me, and they were 85 years old. They've known each other since the second grade. They were Jewish. One was a human rights activist, whatever that means. The other yeah. one was a psychotherapist, yeah. and then about 15 minutes into the conversation, one of them said, wait a minute. I know who you are. You're that guy that ran for governor. I said, that's right. And she had a big smile. She said, guess who I voted for? I said, you didn't vote for me. And she said, how do you know that? I said, let's see. Uh, we're in the west side of L.A. You're both Jewish. One of you is a human rights activist. It doesn't take Columbo to put that together. You didn't vote for me. And She said, no, you're right. I didn't. No. I said, how do you feel about the about the crime? And she said, I have a friend who got mugged. and he told me about that. I said, how do you feel about the quality of our schools? She said, I would never put my kids in a, in a public school. How do you feel about the way Gavin Newsom shut down the state in a more severe way than anybody else did? Sitting up there at that restaurant, not wearing a mask, not engaging in social distancing with the people that drafted the mandates, had his own kids in person. She said, I thought it was hypocritical. How do you feel about the fact that people leaving California? So they agree with me on everything. I said, so here we are completing each other's sentences, yet you wouldn't vote for me. Do you have any Republican friends at all? And they look at each other, and they admitted that they didn't. They said, this is the first time you've ever had a conversation with somebody who's conservative, isn't it? And they both said yes. I mean, honestly, talk about about being in in a cocoon.
1: You should have just call them racist, bigots, <laughs> all those things you said were conservative, alt-right talking And abouts. then be like,
2: buy my book and just yeah. throw and
3: it. Then, out and then
1: and then they bought my drinks and they yeah. bought my dinner. Yeah, yeah that's what I
3: wanted. Well, and and, and that's the thing. It.
2: I, I ordered lobster. I think I was going to order lobster, of I, course. I, but then I, I, don't,
3: I, I don't even <laughs> like lobster. Then, then I upped it. Yeah. I think one of the most insidious words um, is when if you change your mind you're called a, a grifter. And, I, and I've made jokes about this. I've made jokes about it on Cast Castle um, on the podcast because essentially it's saying that if you evolve a viewpoint, if you step out of your bubble, if you, you know, I mean, I didn't, I expected when I came on this show that I would just kind of be like token liberal guy, make jokes, um, make fun of myself, all done. And I've been fascinated at, How my a lot of my views have changed and not because, you know, Tim hired me when I was like liberal, liberal, liberal. Um, My views have changed because I'm just talking to different people, which we should all be doing. And in fact, when I talk to some conservative friends. And I still give some of my bleeding heart points of view. They go, oh man, I never thought of that either. And that's good as well. You're not grifting,
2: you're growing.
1: This is what I try to that's explain right. to people.
2: You're, you're searching for the truth. I'm searching for the truth.
3: That's it. You
1: are. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, as and long, if you have that, I don't care if right. you're a Republican. Ma-
2: Malcolm X said, I'm for the truth no matter who's telling it. Mm-hmm. Yes. And that's how I feel. Yep. I- I'm willing to change my mind. Make me change my mind. Give me the facts. Give me something I've said wrong, thought wrong, and yeah. I will change my mind. My God, I got excited when you quoted Malcolm X. Okay.
3: You know, <laughs> let's, let's, I'm let's back and focus. <laughs> One thing you got to <laughs>
4: be careful of is love bombs from getting this new crowd of followers. Oh, then. we talked
3: about that with the Marjorie Taylor Green where uh, every time now uh, I get a compliment. They're like, we're love bombing you, Jamie. And I'm like, I know because <laughs> yeah, it feels
4: good to get accepted.
3: <laughs> it by does. Crowd. Well, and, and look, man, I still see a lot of stuff. I'll tweet like an innocuous joke about, you know, something I saw that day, and, you know, I know people who found me on here are like, will just start, like, ranting about Biden, and I'm like, okay, bud, like, you can take it down. I'm not a Biden fan, but I think that, look, when you start changing your mind because you're being accepted, no good. If you're doing it for a paycheck, that's where the term grifter makes sense. If you are asking questions to people on the left and to people on the right, and your only goal, like you said, Larry, is just to find the truth, or, like, Dude, I just want people to start coming up with solutions. And I know that if we're screaming at that's why my questions to you were all about like, hey, how do we get people to mm-hmm. talk about this? Hey, take politics right. out. What do you what are you telling someone who's struggling, how do you act as a man? Like forget what party well, you are.
1: Let me let me actually ask you then. I guess uh, 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 the next step in the question of solutions If the perception is that people are unwilling to listen, they're hyper-tribalized, your friends of 40 years, I think you said, was it 40 years, wouldn't even Mm -hmm. read an article, where do you think this is all heading?
2: Well, it, it, there's a certain percentage of people that you have to write off. They're, 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 they will not listen. They yeah. do not care. Uh, they're locked into their positions. I'm not sure what the percentage of that is. There was a 2002 uh, Fox opinion poll. Eight percent of Americans believe Elvis is still alive.
5: Oh boy! Six percent wow.
2: believe if you send him a letter, he'll get it. Now it seems to me that eight <laughs> percent you just got to you know just, just write him off. I think most people are pursuing their own 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 uh, personal interest. Uh, they want to realize their God-given potential. I think most people do that. And if you are persistent and you say things in a persuasive, in a persuasive way, uh, simply, I think most people will at least listen to you. Yeah. I, at least I operate under that assumption. And you have to operate under that yes. assumption. Other than what, how do you get up in the morning and just go, half the country is is, is irredeemable. Uh, right. I'm going to avoid that. <laughs> right. I, I just can't do that. Yes. I, and I won't do that.
4: You guys said earlier, like the truth, that you're both seeking the truth. I get nervous about that because I feel like it's subjective and um, that there's no absolute truth. It's facts. You could say there are facts, but the way you look at the fact is the your version of the fact.
2: Well, well, either, either, Donald, either Donald Trump mocked a handicap reporter or he didn't. Either Donald Trump said there were good Nazis and bad Nazis in, in Charlottesville or he didn't. These are just facts. He did not do that. He did not mock a reporter, yet, yet much of the country believes that. Uh, I don't believe in this. I'll tell you my truth. There is a truth. Uh, often is hard to find, and often things are gray. But there are certain things that happened and didn't happen. Two plus two equals four. I don't care how how you feel. What well, your, wait a second. Except your sexual in base orientation three, is, and then it's I think it's what your one, sexual orientation or is. Something. Two plus two still equals four. Yeah, I think that um,
3: you know. A piece of relationship advice I actually give that I think we could really use when it comes to politics is if me and Ian are in a relationship and we get into a fight and all I want to do is prove that Ian's wrong and all he wants to do is prove that I'm wrong. Nothing's going to get accomplished, you know, even sometimes by the time, let's say I apologized, then maybe even Ian throws in something like, yeah, we should apologize. You really hurt me. And it's like, oh, man, we're still going. And I think that if you're in a fight with your girlfriend or boyfriend or whoever, if you can just focus on, hey, what can I what could I have done better? Even if I'm in even if. Clearly, my girlfriend was in the wrong, right? right, And I'm just like, well, I guess I could have reacted better. And then I get to bring that to the table. And she brings that, what she did wrong to the table. Now we both grow. I wish that Republicans could hold themselves accountable more. Liberals could hold themselves accountable more. And instead of just attack, 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 it could just be, hey, how do we get better?
4: And again, I don't even know. I think you got to listen to the people you don't like. That's what it is. It's heroic. Of course. Like, Mm -hmm. the truth is factual, but the way people feel is how you convince. So People want to. I think some people maybe want to just lay it on the facts and be like, "This is the truth." But if you don't feel what they feel about it, then it's not. The word "true" doesn't really ring. You
3: have to connect with them on like a human level. I I think I'm sure you've learned that in years of of radio and speaking, where it's yeah, if you're just shouting facts at someone who disagrees with you, you're right; they could totally tune out. But if you can actually connect with them as a person through like stories, like the stories you tell about your friends, I go, "Ooh, I've had a friend I've had to walk away from from that,"
2: and you feel it. connect right. to it and then you can listen my mom my mom used to say the truth will not set you free if
1: delivered without hope
2: mm. I'm
1: I that wanna, I'm oh, that's that a down. good <laughs> point gotta, that's beautiful <laughs> i want to jump to this story and announcement oh. uh ladies and gentlemen timcast.com is officially NewsGuard certified let's go they gave us a score of an 82 out of 100 uh, the reason i think this warrants a story is why they gave us an x on one issue of gathering <laughs> and presenting information responsibly to put it simply we adhere to all standards of NewsGuard. For those that are not familiar, NewsGuard is a certification agency that rates all news organizations. It is used by big tech companies to determine whether or not you can share the content or it gets seen by others. Because in uh, about five stories out of 4,000, it's 300, 3,892 stories. Five of them had issues. One of them, I believe, was a fact issue. Two of them were for quoting the president himself, and two were because we had sentences that were just a little too similar to other organizations, even though the sentences themselves were quite generic. The reason why I think this is relevant, this affects how we get viewed on Facebook. If you share one of our articles, this is how the cathedral operates. We use NewsGuard as a a bias checker on our own. It's also a shield. If we report a story that says, how about this? The Hunter Biden laptop was confirmed and the emails in it are, are, are known to be real. Well, if someone tries claiming we're spreading conspiracy, conspiracy, conspiracy theories, I need only look to the Daily Mail and the New York Post, who are certified by NewsGuard and said this is true. And then I can say, take it up with that certified agency used by big tech companies. They claimed that because in two articles, we did a fact-based report, Donald Trump says, quote, in response to quote, that because we didn't run a fact check, we are irresponsible and sharing misleading information because as newsguard said Trump's quotes were provably false. I said, "Okay, how about this? We weren't doing a fact check article, we were just reporting the news. But if you want, moving forward we will include a fact check." Here's where it gets really funny. As I stated, this is what the institution, the cathedral uses. It's funded by, I believe Microsoft and Bill uh Bill Gates particularly or people mentioned it, it may be, may just be uh be Microsoft. In the nutrition label and again, I, I, have to stress this because this is what they, they consider to be the standard for, for big tech. They had four errors outright. Incorrectly labeling my job at Timcast, at Vice, and at Fusion. Falsely labeling the, uh, Tales from the Inverted World as science fiction and fantasy. They corrected all of those immediately only after I told them they made the mistake. They injected opinion, referring to Cass Castle as mundane, and the best part of the whole thing is <laughs> that's, that's they... That's f- the most offensive part of all. <laughs> Thank, Thank you. Well, yeah. That's hilarious. I think it's well, stellar absolutely. work. Yeah. They, they have injected a false quote from me, which has to be the most egregious thing, and this is what I want to say, and I want it to be on the record, and forgive me if it's a bit internal or, or esoteric to the industry. When you have an organization that violates its own standards yes. and accuses you of being irresponsible, well, now we have... Uh, the FBI? I'm just kidding, by the way. I don't perhaps, know if the yes. That well, you've got an issue there. So let me... Uh, I want to show you this. They say, asked by NewsGuard about the above unchallenged claims. This was because we quoted... We said, Donald Trump says, quote. Mm-hmm. In an email, Poole said, we will institute a policy immediately on all quotes moving... Uh, that, here's what they wrote. On all quotes bracket that are false bracket moving forward to run fact checks and we'll have those two articles updated immediately. I never said that, nor did I imply it quite the opposite. I told NewsGuard that if you require us. To to run a fact check on Donald Trump's quotes, the policy would require us to fact check every single quote from anyone we ever report on. And we will do that if that's what your standard dictates. That would put NewsGuard in an impossible situation and potentially put them in civil tort liability positions. So they injected a false quote from me that said that are false, which I never said. I have requested a correction twice now on that false quote. They have not corrected it. So.
2: But, but Tim, they did not call you the black face of white supremacy. Now that's very special. So, huh? so, so, yeah. give, so give them that. That should be the blurb give, on give, every give them book. That. Give this them
1: that. is this is the standard by which the media operates. It is impossible standard to be. To, that being said, an 82 out of 100 is one of the highest ratings you can probably get. We got one ding, but we have five articles out of 3,892. This needs to be said so that you all understand. For one, I am already preparing litigation. NewsGuard, you are being warned. Okay, I will be very distinct and clear. Give me standing against Wikipedia and I will launch a lawsuit in two seconds and put my money where my mouth is. NewsGuard, you want to claim we are irresponsible? Here's what they claimed. Because they alerted us to five articles and we didn't catch them, that means we're irresponsible. I got six errors from you on your own website. If your standard is that we have to be more responsible than you are, I'd love to see you file that in court so I can parade it around after we file if you don't correct this.
3: Also, what are the news organizations that led us into war with Iraq? What are
1: their ratings? 100 out of 100. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you USA Today. USA Today receives a 100 out of 100 credibility rating, despite the fact that on their on their page, they say, in June 2022, USA Today took down nearly two dozen stories by a reporter whom the newspaper said appeared right. to have made up people yeah. she quoted. Right. NewsGuard fabric- fabricated a quote from me. Yep. They, cl- they, they even acknowledge USA Today fabricated stories, but they are 100 out of 100. Also, news- I would argue that this has to put them in some kind of uh, uh, civil tort territory. I will show every single certification they've ever given, and I will show they have no legitimate standards. And I want them in court to admit it.
2: USA Today drove that story several years ago that black churches were being burned because of racism mm-hmm. and it turned out completely, totally bogus. There were more mosques and synagogues that were burned. Uh, most of the black churches that were burned were in the forest, in the woods. Uh, very few of them were, were burned as a result of somebody doing it because of racism. Completely set this whole country, pardon the expression, on fire. The story was completely and totally bogus. I am just learning that today in 2022.
1: And what did, what did they say about us? We quoted Trump but didn't include context challenging Trump, which, by the way, which is
3: misleading you as a, a, a news organization quoting the president of the United States. Either way, whether Trump was right or wrong is still covering the news. And it is certainly, certainly uh, less nefarious than NewsGuard purposefully misquoting you. Right? I
1: will. I will add. This is part of what gives them the credibility as their agency, but I want to stress that it's used by these big tech companies, but I also want to stress... The purpose here is to show you what their standard is. When they claim the New York Times is factual, when they claim that USA Today's factual, they emailed me saying this is this is you're going to love this guys because we didn't talk too much about this before. I'm going to
3: flip the, the table The first over.
1: thing they tried getting us on saying these are our f- fake news was that the Hunter Biden laptop story. They said, "You claimed that Hunter Biden in an email was seeking funding for BioLabs or whatever." And I said, "Well, I didn't claim that. The Daily Mail and the New York Post did." And they said, that's not been verified. I said, I'm sorry. You certified the Daily Mail and the New York Post as credible agencies, which I used in my assessment of their fact statements. Would you like to now have on the record that you don't consider your own certifications to be viable? Mm. They immediately responded with, this one's too murky, so we're going to ignore it. <laughs> and I said, you refuse to admit that you're, you're challenging your own certifications. I will. I, you you got to understand, guys. This is a this this culture war and the issues we're Mm -hmm. facing with censorship are deeper than just one story about Elon Musk and Twitter. Of course they are. And behind the scenes, I want I want to let you all know people are saying, like, why don't you do more? Put your money where your mouth is. If I I have harped on Wikipedia for defamation, defamation, because Wikipedia says from Wikipedia on every article that is a byline, I don't have standing to sue them. You need standing and you need injury. Correct me if I'm wrong. Is that that's correct? Why don't you have standing? They did not defame me. Wikipedia, their article about me is actually fairly neutral or opinion. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Veritas, I believe Wikipedia is, I'm I'm not James, so I don't know for sure, but I believe it's verifiably false what they've published, which means they would have standing. And then what they need to do is challenge Wikipedia's 230 protections Mm -hmm. under the grounds that they've put their byline on the article, not the user's. As for NewsGuard, I have done everything to make sure that anything they do grants me standing so I can make sure they have to file in court why they're lying, have no standards or are factually incorrect. And then I will, uh, we'll, we'll just leave it at that for the time being. Now, I like NewsGuard in that if they, I like i like in the, in the, res, in the respect that we'll use them and I'll say, don't look at me they're the ones certifying it. I'll pass the buck to them. That's what they are, the responsibilities they are taking. And I can respect that. But don't come to me and tell me there is no standard by which we can be deemed a credible news organization when you have lower standards for other organizations. Yeah. That I find to be slanderous and defamatory. And the fact that they fabricated a quote from me crossed the line. I was content with saying they need to correct this earlier today until I read they fabricated a quote for me to protect their asses. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Did they take a quote and then add stuff to yep. it? Yep. What did they add exactly? They added bracket. That was false to imply. Oh, bracket. So they're assuming you implied that, which is also, I believe, I I would argue, maybe even grounds for malice, because what I actually said was it's an impossible standard, but we'll do it to add those words is to imply my statement was actually that we will begin fact checking false statements that we weren't fact checking before. But I mean, it is to imply that I was accepting false statements it's no, also we have a corrections policy, and we don't allow false statements. But, but you can't know if something's false until after you fact check it. You exactly. Can't. It's ridiculous. Because they knew my statement to be included would show that they have, have broken standards. They, they put a fake quote in place. I'm not standing I, for that. I, I, they I hope fix I
2: have it. some basis for a lawsuit. After my campaign for governor, I was just a skosh under a million followers on Twitter. Over the next several months, I lost about 30,000. And I still lose about a hundred per day. However, a few weeks ago, when Elon Musk announced his intention to buy Twitter, I gained ten thousand followers within twenty-four hours. Mm. How does that happen? You're not alone. How, how does that, I know? Uh, and a lot of conservatives gained a lot of, and a lot of liberals lost a lot of uh, followers in one fell swoop within 24,
4: 48 hours. That is some severe, neg- some malpractice. Tell me about it. Something. Something. We're gonna go that's to that's like a chats. class action thing. Mm. I've got to.
1: We're going to super chats, but um, YouTube has been breaking on us. So uh, mm. before we do, Larry, what's your mom's name? Because I want to tribute that quote to her. Viola
2: Elder. Can you say that quote one more time? Like yeah, the in- like like the instrument.
4: Yeah. Do you want to say it? The Larry? truth
2: will not set you free if delivered without hope.
5: Yes. So we've been, my, my husband and I have been having an ongoing conversation over whether facts care about your feelings. Mm-hmm. And I argue that you can't convince someone of a fact unless you also care about the feelings. It's kind of like what Maya Angelou said. She said people will, you know, forget what you said. They'll forget what you did, but they'll never forget my, how you my, my feel. My
2: mother couldn't stand Maya Angelou. Yeah. I, and I, <laughs> I, I mean, couldn't stand. Thought, thought she was phony.
5: Yes. I, by by, by an... the way, you
2: know, you know she's not a doctor. They oh, called yeah. her Dr. Maya She's in no, no degree. In oh, doctor. really? Oh, oh. My mother thought she was completely phony. thought her accent was all made up. She My mother couldn't stand her. Yes. Can and you I, guys
3: call me doctor from now on? I'll call you, I'll call that, you anything yeah. you want. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah. Dr. Go. Maya Angelou.
4: Yeah. <laughs> is no, it, so I, is no it doctor Viola? V-I-O-L-A? Yes. Nice.
5: So I don't like to use that Maya Angelou quote because I don't like her either, mm-hmm. but I think she has a point in that people don't really care if you're presenting yeah. them with facts. If you appear to not care about how they feel. Right.
3: Well, that's why comedy can be so powerful, right? It's like it evokes a physical feeling and then, if you can laugh together, chances are you can figure some stuff out.
2: Together. And it would be ni- nice if late night comedy wasn't so far to the left. Well, the, it's the only all- one is Greg Gutfeld, the only one that, yep. that late night that 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 is not left wing. It's yeah. Well, and, to be and fair, and about fifteen all- percent of young people uh, admit that they get their primary source of news from the monologues. So. Larry, I would like to
3: argue that they are also not funny, so not technically comedians. Yeah.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> well we're going to go to super chats if you haven't already would you kindly smash that like button and subscribe to this channel we are going to have the members only uncensored after hours show Woo! that will be published on the website timcast.com at about 11 p.m stick around for that let's read some super chats got him. youtube imploded but we found a way to make sure we can get through as many as we can we've got how to say late night hvac says desantis elder 2024 mm. i'm liking it
2: that yeah. <laughs> <laughs> where, where, where do i sign <laughs> I'm making no announcement, but where do I sign?
1: <laughs> All right, let's see. Lord Blueberry says, "Is that the black face of white supremacy?" I see. That's what the LA,
2: that's what the other Times called me. Her name, her, her initials are Erica D. Smith. Wow. Oops. Uh, when I ran, she ran a column, and the headline was, "Ian Larry Elder is the black face of white supremacy." Sub headline. You've been warned. <laughs> There's another columnist with the LA Times named Gene Guerrero who referred to my views as white supremacists. What
4: did you say that made people
2: think? Tell me that? about it. I invited <laughs> Erica Smith on my show when the when the campaign was over to explain it. She wouldn't come on.
4: Mm-hmm. Right. Tavis yeah.
2: Smiley. I interviewed with him. A uh, black host who was on PBS for years. I remember Tavis Miley. And he referred to me in our, my interview as anti-black. I said, Tavis, why am I anti-black? What view do I have that's anti-black? He said, you're opposed to reparations. I said, Obama was opposed to reparations <laughs> until a year ago. Was he anti-black until a year ago?
4: Yo, I'm open to re- repairing things, but I don't think throwing money at the problem is the way to repair systems. We need a holistic refunction of our monetary system. Well, fur-
2: furthermore, if you're talking about reparations, I mean, who should pay reparations? It, 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 with, flavor was the Democratic Party. Democrats own slaves. Republicans didn't. Only about five percent have some sort of generational connection to slavery. So all the people that came here uh, after after the Civil War, World War One, World War Two, they should be paying into it. It's ridiculous. It was 150 years ago, uh, and and furthermore. Without the complicity of African chieftains, slavery could not have taken place. They, they aided the European slave trade, the Islamic slave trade. After we pay reparations, they then go to Africa and get money from that
4: and, 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 and get, get reimbursed from, from Africans because of this. Dude, you see Native American chieftains made bank when they sold out their tribes to the settlers. They did.
1: Let's read, let's read more. We got Siege. She says, some of my earliest memories are listening to the sage from South Central on KABC in the mid-90s driving around with my dad. We've got a country to save now more than ever.
2: It's one of my standard lines. We've got a country to save.
1: Wow. Mm-hmm. Yep. I got a lot of
0: lines.
2: All right. Sideways. The Great, <laughs> El, the, the great Elderski. Uh, <laughs> uh, the, the, the Czar of Common Sense. Don Lorenzo.
1: <laughs> sideways <laughs> says, Ian, I finally understand your views on the Federal Reserve. I watched a mini documentary on it and had no idea they were a private entity and that they really have more power than lawmakers. That's awesome. Watching that
4: documentary, is, it's so nuts, yeah. dude, when you start yeah. to figure out what the fuck is going on.
1: and You look so
2: vindicated.
3: When Tim was reading that, I was very excited. <laughs> yes. I was like, <laughs> I reserve. Yes. people are waking up
4: <laughs> and they're printing money like crazy. Mm. Yeah. I mean, on the they've, books, they've $27 trillion. The What's off the books? I
2: And the whole point behind the Federal Reserve is, was to avoid uh, depressions and recessions. We've had many of them since they've been around.
4: And you could argue that they are the ones that caused it. Mm-hmm. I think we need an audit of the Federal Reserve, which is going to lead to a repeal of the Federal Reserve Act.
1: Mm. Perhaps.
4: Here we go. Savon Young says,
1: Larry, I love Thomas Sowell. So could you tell me your opinion of James B. Stewart's critique of black rednecks and white liberals? It's the only academic critique I could find of him. I messaged your show about this a while back.
2: I don't remember what, what James Stewart said about it. I, I love the book. Um I don't I don't know what the criticism is. Mm. Mm. Well then. So I'll take a pass on that
3: one. Do you think with the I mean kind of on the same subject with the uh, the accusations of being uh, a white supremacist. <laughs> I can't believe I just said that to your face.
4: I couldn't even make eye contact hey, with come you. On, okay.
3: hey, come oh. on, Jamie. I worked hard for that time Yeah, okay. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Uh, 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 well, it's an honor to meet you. Do you, I mean, man, like hearing you explain these views long form on this show, it's you're not saying racism doesn't exist. So let's leave the problem alone. You're offering solutions to help black communities. And so if you're trying to still help the black communities, even if people on the left don't agree with you, that's not white supremacist. It yeah. will be white su- right.
2: Supremacism. If you were like, get them and, out of and, and here. Why can't we have a discussion about that? Yes. You know, Jamie, over the years, I will get a letter from somebody or somebody will call my show and say, "Now, Larry, you say racism doesn't exist, but let me tell you something. I said, to your favorite charity where you can find where Larry Elder wrote or ever said racism doesn't exist. Right. I've never said that. The fact that I believe that racism is no longer a major problem in America does not not mean I don't believe it exists. I've never said that.
4: How do you get from that to that? Right. Right. I think it's like Roman supremacy. People get really, sometimes they get fired up when I talk about the Roman Empire, but I feel like the Romans were the slaveocracy to try to conquer the world. Then they built a church and this Roman Catholic church now is like still in control of people's minds and- uh, white or black, it don't matter, man. When there's a when there's a group of consciousness that's attempting to control things, there's there. I definitely think that there is a you know the the Jesuit like the 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 black pope. You want to look at the power of the pope and the black pope and what what the Jesuits are doing? Go down that rabbit hole.
1: Let's read this one we got from Sam Samuel Adams. Ah, oh, thanks for the hey. super chat, Sam Adams. Hey, because Brian Kilmeade, uh Kilmeade tweeted just spoke to Eric Trump. Nothing in the safe. FBI agents 30 approximately rated on behalf of National Archives has to come from POTUS or someone in the White House. So perhaps this is related to the the, the story about Trump tearing up notes and flushing them in the toilet or something. Yeah.
3: It would have been funny if Trump just left a note in the safe. And it was like, can't catch me.
1: <laughs> <laughs> the funny thing is that, that story where they claim that Trump was tearing up notes and putting them in the toilet. There are pictures of them. Who took those pictures? I who went into the bathroom after Trump to take pictures of what was in the toilet yeah. is very strange. Right. And the fact that Trump That's would put lot. notes in the toilet and not flush is also strange. Right. It's
3: Trump being like, hey, come film me, destroy evidence. Sure, yeah. Creating more or, evidence. <laughs> or
1: someone's like, hey, hey, Trump just went to the bathroom. Go take pictures. Right. What? Right. what? That's weird, too. <laughs> Unless he, like, walked in and just flicked it but in there. But then anyone, why wouldn't he no, flush it? Trump does p- seem like
3: well, the kind of guy who would
2: be like, take a picture. Well, the White name. House is
4: Trump
1: a... <laughs> Trump is the kind of guy who turns around and takes a picture. <laughs> and-
2: <laughs> the White House is a very old building. Maybe they have a bad plumbing system.
3: Yeah.
1: Okay. Yeah. yeah.
4: yeah. yeah. Get out of the...
2: <laughs> your tax dollars at
1: work. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's see what we can grab from these super chats. Shinobi Strongside says... Or it's Shinobi Strong said, ignorance having the capacity and access to relevant information and consciously choosing to ignore it, yeah. not to be confused with nescience.
4: Oh, they say ignorance is knowing, but choosing to ignore it as opposed to nescience. Hmm. Interesting. Well, Nessience. I think ignorance is just lacking knowledge. How for the do you most spell nescience? N e c c i a. Science. Thank you.
1: All right. Bop, bop, up. We're gonna grab some. I'm trying to find some good questions for for lot. for Thanks, Larry. Guys. Yeah. All right. A lot of people are really, really angry about the FBI. Mm-hmm. Adam Horridge says, To Mr. Elder, I don't trust government to do well with mu- with many so- societal problems. What charities are fixing the functional literacy issue you mentioned? I'll donate what I can to a good charity. Aw, oh, that's awesome. Well,
2: there are a lot of uh, uh, private uh, schools. There are a lot of uh, pro-choice organizations uh, that, uh, that have been set up. There are a lot of charities that are very efficient. For three months, I volunteered for the United Way once, Um, For every dollar that government spends on welfare, about 70 cents is burned in transfer costs, rent, those kinds of things. Every dollar donated to an organization like uh, United Way, 85% gets down to the intended beneficiary because most people, like I was, are voluntary. Mm. So there are lots of organizations. Go online and find them.
3: Right on. All right. Also shout out for being like, I'm going to donate instead of violence in the streets. Yeah. That's what you do. Support organizations. You There's love. an organization
2: called Brotherhood of a New Destiny led by Reverend Jesse Lee Peterson. Uh, and he coaches men who don't have destiny. fathers to uh, reconcile with their fathers or to lose their anger so they can go forward. Wow. Bond, Brotherhood Jesse. of a New Destiny.
4: Wow. That's the beginning. Yeah.
3: Hey, everything. what do you yeah. think? I mean, this is probably a basic question that you get when you talk about fatherhood, because I was really captivated by that. And You know, obviously there are a lot of marriages that are horrifically dysfunctional, right? So what's the advice you give or the solution for, you know, is it better to have... um, a single mom who loves you unconditionally, who crushes it, who's doing everything she can, than yeah. an incredibly abusive um marriage yeah, that, that now you're watching yeah, that, and that's that, shaping that, that's you. That's not
2: even a close call. Obviously, it's better to have a mother that loves you than a dysfunctional, uh, angry, violent marriage. Yeah. Again, the whole point behind watching your mom and your dad is to watch them resolve disputes. Yes. Without anger, without yep. rancor, without violence. If you don't see that, you see it resolved violently, you're going to behave that way as well. Right. Alright. Hey, you want to go? I was going to add one thing. A, um, a poor black kid with
1: mother and a father will have a better outcome in life than a middle class white kid with just a mom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Got it. Mm-hmm. Robert Pointer says, Larry Elder's dad's advice is legendary. I'm going to re listen to that multiple times so I can quote that to my seven and four year old sons. Great show.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Amazing. What's your dad's name? Randolph.
2: Yeah. Randolph Elder. Yeah. Ever go by Randy? He does go by Randy. Oh, nice. Yeah, Randolph Elder. Work R-A-N-D-O-L-P-H. With, right? And the book again is called, the hardback is called Dear Father, Dear Son, Two Lives, Eight Hours. Mm-hmm. And the paperback is called A Lot Like Me. I'm trying to get the book made into a movie. We already have a deal. Uh, I have a really strong agent and one of their clients is Denzel Washington. Mm-hmm. And I'm just envisioning Denzel Washington playing, oh. play, playing my dad. Oh my goodness. Denzel, oh, my why goodness. am I produced produce that? Denzel, if you're listening. Denzel. You know how yes. to reach me. Yeah, Chris, I'll, also come on the vlog. That's yeah. right.
1: <laughs> Chris Van Dern. I believe it says Dern, says Larry, your story had me crying. It's both heartbreaking and heartwarming. If only we could, uh, we could all have that kind of understanding, many of our problems would disappear and we could tackle bigger issues.
2: My brothers, as I mentioned, disliked my father as intensely as I did. That's why I didn't think it was me. I thought it was him. My little brother died years ago. He was diabetic. But after I reconciled with my dad, I contacted my older brother, Kirk. And I said, Kirk, dad's not an a-hole. He's not, he's not what you think. Oh yes, he is. No, no, he's not. Oh yes, he is. Kirk, you gotta sit down with the man. No, I'm not gonna talk to him. So a couple weeks later, I'm over visiting my dad. I said, dad, did, uh, have you talked to Kirk lately? He said, yeah, why'd you ask? I said, I just wondered. He said, he came over here. We had a five-hour conversation. Uh,
3: my nice. brother never told me until my dad told me. Man, this is the exact same thing we were talking about with politics. Because I remember I, it, it was my brother that convinced me to talk to my dad. Mm. I hated my dad. And I, I actually had a story in one of my old stand-up CDs all about that moment when you realize that the reason that you hated your parents is because they were decent people they were doing their job yeah, and, and that's
2: supposed to be your buddy and
3: it was the exact same yeah. thing where I was like dad was such a jerk he didn't want me to play in like a band and my brother was like hey man do you remember what dad's day-to-day looked like and then just mapped out waking up at four making us breakfast driving two hours for all this stuff mm-hmm. and you just go oh god it, like it was it, for me I realized it was it was me mm-hmm. you know and 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 if people could so much of it just has to do with ego and being right and being married to these stories, whether it's, well, I grew up Democrat or whether it's, well, I grew up hating my dad or whatever story you tell yourself or whether for the people listening with mental health stuff, like if it's your story about you being a bad person right. or you being a failure, they're all stories, man, and you can override and, and Jamie, when, when
2: I was writing the book, my dad was alive. He died as soon as I finished the book. And mm. as I was writing it, I would ask him questions about what did you do here? Why'd you do this? Yeah. And he said, why are you
1: writing a book about my little life? I said,
2: Dad, your life wasn't little. It was epic. You just don't know it.
1: Jeez. Yeah. All right. We got this from Curtis McLaughlin, Jr. He says, Mr. Elder, the goat, by the way, I was recently arrested for loitering and prowling while eating Taco Bell in a parking lot. <laughs> what? Inadvertent participation in the justice system can happen. Charges so, dropped.
2: Didn't say it didn't. Couldn't happen. Yeah. yeah. There was a guy. Uh, his name, first name was Charles, and he was at a Beverly Hills restaurant. Goes out to put money in the parking meter because he doesn't want his car told away, and he's surrounded by cops and he's and he's uh, arrested, handcuffed and urged to sit on a on a curb for about forty five minutes while they sort out whether or not he is a bank robber. Yeah. Turns out the bank robber was wearing the same color pants, same color shirt, was a black man who was bald, had the same roughly the same complexion. He even admitted it, but he cooperated and sat there even though he knew he hadn't done anything. Yeah. And that's the, and that's the lesson. There's no point in in fighting with these guys. They have guns.
3: Yeah. Also, sorry, brother. I didn't mean to laugh at you. It's just, uh, my flight got delayed last night and I got in a one, like one in the morning and I shamefully went to a Taco Bell drive through and it looked like <laughs> well, I,
2: I felt like a prowler too. I was just like, I'm garbage. I had, I had back to back flights that were, that were delayed. I get here yeah. to DC and my luggage doesn't come down. Oh, no. I go to the little area. And she goes on the computer, does something, I don't know what. Yeah. And she says, do you have a firearm in your luggage? <laughs> I said, a what? She said, a gun. And everybody goes, he's got a gun. Oh no, and, no. and she said, we put, we put the luggage with firearms in here. So check oh. and see if it's in here. And it was there. Right. So I'm taking it out. There's a guy that checks the tag to make sure it's my suitcase. Oh, and I said, "Somebody going to ask me if there's, you want to search the thing, see if there's the firearm. Because oh, oh, we're good. So you took my word for it. <laughs> took my word for it. There wasn't one in there. You don't even want to look and see.
1: Oh, wow. Did you go get to talk about it talk, talk, talk about top security. No. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. yeah. Neo Reaper says, thoughts on Andrew Yang and the forward party. And the which party? Forward party.
2: Hadn't heard about it. You no. know Andrew no. Yang? I know Yang. He ran for mayor. He ran for er, ran for governor. Pre- he ran for president. president. <laughs> then, yeah. then ran I like for, that then you kept upgrading him. Then ran for mayor in New York. Yeah. I think he's a smart guy. I like him. He, he's yeah, one he the of the third party. He's the one that had a little thing on that said math.
5: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Anyone who can shake
3: stuff
1: up, I'm here for. Yeah. yeah. All right. Boxfed TV says, Tim, all my super chats have called out the FBI. Last week, I told Whitaker he was weak. Uh, oh, Whitaker, right. Today we will live in infamy. Every Republican must call for the complete dismantling of the FBI. New Trump, uh, Trump rally chant and the FBI.
2: Defund the FBI.
3: Yeah. Defund like the that. FBI. Yeah, yeah. I like that. Also, see you when you're being raided by the FBI, buddy. Mm-hmm. You know, this, is, this
2: is really a scary development. No kidding. That defunded thing was a joke, but it's really, really quite scary. Yeah.
1: Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. This is the kind of thing. Look, uh, when when I, when you read about history, and people talk about fleeing countries, this is one of the things people would say. Like, why did you before before the bad thing happened? Like, why did your family leave? And they were like, well, when they raided the the, the previous president's home and started arresting him, we knew things were getting bad. Take a look at Ukraine. Mm-hmm. A few years ago, they they ousted Yanukovych, the president, and then people stormed into his house and started looting and, and stealing stuff. So I don't know where we're going from here. But when the DOJ makes moves like this, you're you're living history, man. By the you're way, we don't we it.
2: don't know whether Trump was home at Mar-a-Lago. No, he's in Bedminster. Oh, he's not. He's yeah, not there.
1: So I, I believe he's up in New Jersey. Mm-hmm. Uh, but either way, wow. this is when they announced Trump's actions were being investigated. I'm like, that doesn't mean they're investigating Trump. So it could be that they're trying to pull back. They don't want to come out and announce they are doing it because it would shock people or they're not really doing it. They want it to seem like they are to try and hurt him. This could still be argued. Maybe they're like a search warrant for someone else because mar a massive and they're trying to just make it look like Trump is going down for something. But either way, at this point it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Whatever you think it is, the president's home was just raided by the former president was raided by the feds. All right. Let's grab some more super chats. Should we move forward here. I think we can jump over to the actual super chats now. All right, all right. We get this this weird thing happens where YouTube's crashed recently and then it erases the super chats. They're still there. But we were able we were able to pull them up. Morgan Dossett says, I was an army cook. I'm now a private chef.
4: Mm.
1: In, uh, let's say, in white and the majority of my army buddies are black. Oh, I'm white and the majority of my army buddies are black and Hispanic. I've been out for 10 years, but they gave me a call. I'm on the move to help. If they gave me a call, I'm on the move to help. I'll still risk my life for my brothers and sisters. Right on. Glad Mm -hmm. to hear it.
3: Mm
1: -hmm. All right. Musically Assured Destruction says, should law enforcement in metro areas be run like sheriffs elected by citizens? That way they are truly held accountable to the people.
3: Also great screen name, buddy.
1: Yeah, I'd say so.
2: You can argue it both ways. Um, Also, they're accountable to the people and the people can be emotional like the people in the streets uh, yelling and screaming about uh, the man that shot through that door in baltimore and the people in the street were yelling black lives matter black lives matter you could get a bunch of people who are emotionally disturbed about something and they're wrong uh, and they vote for the wrong person yeah so it's hard to say
1: right 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 you could argue it either way scott says tim what happens if a red wave doesn't happen larry you're an inspiration sir uh what do you think happens if we don't get a red wave
2: as I said before, I think we're spiking the football too soon. Uh, the polls are tightening up, as you pointed out. There used to be a, a big, almost a double-digit uh, lead in the generic poll for Republicans, yep. not anymore, it's now gone. And you look at Kamala Harris matched up against Donald Trump or against uh, DeSantis, and she's competitive. So it may very well not happen. And again, the media are, are, you know, interpreting anything that happens, uh, if, if, uh, Donald Trump expelled gas in the, in the pantry in the White House, uh, it was covered negatively. When Joe Biden does something, it's not covered nearly as negatively. Hey, what would you,
3: I should have, I I I didn't ask uh Marjorie Taylor Greene this, but I will ask you this. Mm-hmm. Um what what would you change about the Republican Party? Like what's your
2: Both party If both you parties, had to critique like your own party, what would it be? Both parties spend too much money. Mm-hmm. Uh it, it, if and when the Republicans take over uh in November uh the House and the Senate, uh we should have a amendment to the Constitution that fixed spending to a certain percentage of the GDP with exception for war and for natural disaster. Otherwise, both parties expand government. It expanded under George W. Bush, expanded under Ronald Reagan. He ran to shut down the Department of Education. When he left, it was bigger than before. Both parties spend money and we've
1: got to stop it.
3: Great.
2: Thank you.
1: All right. Brian David says, I grew up with no sense of alliance or support. The lessons of the leftist indoctrination failed to take root other than the attitude and tactics how do i improve myself and bring love into my heart and my life hmm.
4: psilocybin
1: I, uh, I mean what would you say i, I would
2: That's just say I, I would just say keep yes. your eyes open uh, uh, in, ingest the news discriminate discri- with with discrimination and with judgment uh and uh try to be the best person that you can be are honest you, are, you, uh, are you religious I am. I am my pastor is pastor jack hibbs he's one of the four people uh who really influenced my decision to run for office all oh, right. On. Um, yeah, I, I, and I think I think it's hard. It's to me, it's difficult for people to really understand right and wrong without a religious foundation. You have to understand that there's evil in the world, and a lot of people on the left just don't seem to understand that because they're not, they're, they're not, God-centered. Hmm. I just wanted to
3: shout that person out because your last line, you asking that question, you're already doing more than the majority of people do. So you being self-aware, you looking for ways to lead with love you're on the right path and i would say as someone who has really really struggled um in his life and with mental health stuff one of the best pieces of advice i can give is hold yourself accountable Mm -hmm. but when you do good give yourself credit like you looking for this you seeking more knowledge and ways to lead with love and you know i mean one of the things i've started doing is i heard this great quote where even when you're driving in traffic where it's treat every car like it's the dalai lama driving mm-hmm. where it's like catch yourself catch yourself when you're judging someone catch yourself when you're uh drawing conclusions catch yourself when you're being selfish and don't get mad at yourself when you do it or else you're going to spiral yeah. but slowly
2: correct and get better and better try, try fast don't beat up on yourself when you make mistakes because yeah. we all make mistakes you have to get My favorite movie is No Country for an Old Man. You, you ever oh, seen wow. that movie?
4: Great. It's a brutal uh, movie. It's brutal. <laughs> there, there,
2: there's a scene when Tommy Lee Jones goes up to the sheriff in the wheelchair because he wants advice on what to do. And he says to him, that man that put you in the wheelchair is about ready to get out of prison, possibly. If he does, what are you going to do about it? And the guy in the wheelchair said, probably nothing. And Tommy said, I'm surprised to hear you say that. And he said, when you try to get back what's been co- took from you, more is going out the door all the time. Mm. Pretty soon you just got to put a tourniquet on it.
4: Wow. I want right. to invite that guy to try fasting, too, because when you clear your gut out, you're, you become more in tune with your feelings. All right. Yeah, do challenging things. Gia Fanta says Mr. Elder
1: carries the tradition of Booker T. Washington, who advocated for self-help, entrepreneurship, and vocational training. Unfortunately, black politicians believe more in W.E.B. Du Bois right. and the ta- and the talent. Uh, what does it say? Talented tenth. Talented tenth, which yeah. perpetuates an elitist ideology. Could you, you
2: elaborate Ab- on that? Absolutely. And in, in fact, we 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 explore the differences between the two in Uncle Tom One, and we get into it a little more deeply in Uncle Tom Two. Booker T. Washington believed uh, when a Negro boy learns to cook, to sew, to wash dishes, or to practice medicine as well as or better than somebody else, he or she will be rewarded without regard to race, uh, and um, uh, W.D. Du Bois was all about uh, an elite kind of attitude and and um, they used to quarrel. So, and, and Du Bois ultimately rejected the American citizenship, became a communist and moved to Russia. Uh, Booker T. Washington's Tuskegee Institution is still here. So, who's Vision really ended up being the vision that was correct. Mm. Also, Uncle Tom, you
3: can see it at uncletom.com right now for free, hitting you back for that check and the Cadenuga plug. Thank you so that
1: the documentary, <laughs> I, the things I, I learned about Herman Cain, I did not know. And uh, his story about his time in I think it was his time in the military right. and and how he improved himself, man, that was absolutely incredible. Dude, it's I been mean, a while since I watched it.
3: I uh I'm going to say something that I'm uncomfortable saying, but it's just it's such an opportunity I think I need to, which is I think that The second that people on the left, and this is so patronizing and gross, and it's the worst part about what people say the left is, um, when they hear a black conservative without actually listening to them or reading them. I've never read Thomas. I've never read your books. I'm going to get your books when I go home. Mm -hmm. Um, Is this idea that kind of similar to the grifter where it's all you're doing is you're giving racist an excuse to essentially be the black friend, right. right? So when someone does something or they're accused of racism, they could be like, oh, I, I'm not racist. Like, I've read Larry Elder. I've read Thomas Sowell or whatever. What do you say to that critique? Because, again, I just see a very authentic human being who is trying to solve a problem maybe differently than I would have thought in the past. But you haven't said much that I've been like, oh, gross. I disagree with that. Um, but what do you say to that as this idea that someone who clearly cares about black people is just and by the way there might be do you feel responsible for people who are racist and they'll throw your name around to be like racism isn't real like go read larry elder
2: no i I don't feel responsible because racism is no longer a major problem in america and if somebody
1: quotes me as saying that i'm fine with that i think you're wrong on that one i think racism is still a big problem in this country it's just not the same kind of racism Hmm. so you you have Affirmative action, for instance, discriminatory policies. You've got Democrats trying to strip out right. civil rights provisions. But I'm being a bit pedantic. I would, I would, right. I, would I would, I would say, <laughs>
4: dude, we're all we're, brains we're, floating, we're, 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 floating we're, we're, in a salt dis- water. Discrimina- set.
2: discrimination to fight discrimination ah. is still discrimination. Exactly, and that's what race based preferences are. And that's it doesn't handy. it doesn't help the beneficiaries. I mean, I got on an airplane uh, yesterday, and the pilot was a female. I don't want to know that uh, the airlines had some sort of gender equity program, and therefore that's why she's <laughs> not calling. I don't Absolutely. want to hear about it. I want to make sure she aced the flight exam. Yeah. Seriously.
1: I, we, we've got uh, uh, a big a big story to talk about for the members section where it's going to get substantially more, um, let's just say, less, more politically incorrect but fun and, and important conversation. That's going to be at TimCast.com. All right, let's I to, go. I want to stress that because – there, there are many points to be made on how the Democrats are handling the issues of race in this country. And it's funny how they always the, – the right will call them the real racists. Then they say, oh, they're going to call us the real racists. And I'm like, bro, you're literally trying to implement race-based policies to restrict people based mm-hmm. on race. And I'm not talking about white people. Like if people complain – that someone who's white is being held back because of their race. I'm like, that's legitimate. But you're also going after Latinos and Asians as well. Like, you're just creating these weird race-based policies that are just bad for everybody. Yeah, absolutely. When, when I
2: moved to Cleveland in 1977, I'm from L.A. Lakers, uh, Rams, Dodgers were all winners. And the Cavaliers sucked. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I was born in Ohio. So, so a guy named Ted Stepien, an advertising guy, very wealthy, said that he was going to buy the Cavaliers. And when they bought the Cavaliers, he said, I'm going to put more white players on the court because at the time the Coliseum was in an area called Richfield, which was way outside of Cleveland, a largely white area, and he felt the white fans would would, uh, attend games more if the starting five were more likely to be white. Oh, no. He bought the team, Jamie, and he did just that. Four of the five starters were white. Okay. The team lost more games (laughs) than than, than the year year before. They drew fewer fans than the year before. They found out white people didn't like watching white people lose anymore than they wanted to watch black people lose. And the NBA took the team away from him. And implemented a rule called the Stepien Rule, which is still in, in effect today, which means you cannot trade back-to-back first-round picks the way he did to get these white players. Wow. You ever heard of Scotty Wedman? No. Mike Bratz? No. They were two of the starters for the Cleveland Cavaliers. Sure. Did he bring in Mark Price during that time, or was that after? That was after, well after, but oh. he didn't own him then. All right, everybody, if you haven't already... I can't believe you brought him up. I'm from Ohio. I know. From, I can't believe you brought him up. This morning, I'm talking to somebody from Georgia Tech, having oh. breakfast with him, and I said, there was a player that went to Georgia Tech around the time you were there. His first name was Mark. He was a great point guard. Guard. He was an all-time NBA free-throw percentage shooter, and I couldn't think of his last name, and you just now gave yeah, it I to me. I love that guy. Yeah. What, right. what, Something... what, what are the odds of me talking Dude, about Mark and co- you saying co- Mark Price? There's like a, we're in a system system <laughs> <of> <laughs> some sort. We are.
1: Maybe there's a God. Maybe. But anyway, <laughs> head over to TimCast.com. Head over to TimCast.com. his last name. Price. <laughs> All right. Smash that like button. Head over to TimCast.com. We're going to have another segment coming up, the uncensored, much more... Incorrect, not family-friendly version of the show. That'll be at TimCast.com, posted about 11 p.m. You can follow the show at TimCast IRL. You can follow me at TimCast. Larry, do you want to shout anything out? Just
2: follow me on uh, Twitter. Follow me on uh, Truth Social. Follow me on Instagram. Follow me on Facebook uh my documentary again uncle tom uh comes out on august 22nd uncle tom 2 uncle tom 1 uh is now for free on uncle com. my books are the one i'm recommending the dear father dear son that's a hardback and a lot like me is a paperback um, that's about it oh right follow watch, watch my television show on epictv.com ah, epictv.com cool. i'm going to post that's, we that's, post epoch we post stuff every day right on I'm going to follow you, brother, right after the show.
3: Um, you. Guys, you can love bomb me on Twitter <laughs> at Jamie Kilstein. Uh, again, shout out to everyone who followed me on Instagram because you guys know I want to get off toxic Twitter so bad, but I have so many more followers there. You can follow me on Instagram at the Jamie Kilstein, and that's where I'll be announcing my stand-up dates. On Instagram, I talk a lot about um, mental health stuff. Twitter's more political. But,
2: yeah, just follow me on social media. I love this community uh, with all my heart. Ian, before you say anything um – one more thing, elderforamerica.com. It's my political action committee. Um. Raising money to take back the House, the Senate, to campaign against critical race theory in favor of school choice and for initiatives to strengthen families. Elderforamerica.com. Throw a little something in the tip jar.
4: Thank you, Mr. Elder, Dr. Kilstein. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Finally, Dr. Kilstein. We're on the precipice of an evolution <laughs> towards Kilstein. a new world order of sorts, and it's up to us to decide how this evolution occurs. If you will be a passive, standard by watching it happen, or if you will participate in the creation of the future. Now is the time for you to decide and take action. I'll see you there.
5: All true and correct. Thank you guys very much. Thank you, Larry, so much for coming. Larry's cheering. Ian's thought. <laughs> I love it very much. Um, thank you guys for welcoming me back with such open arms. It's been a lot of fun switching with my wrong hand. Um, you guys can follow me on Twitter, Minds.com, at Sarah Patch lids as well as SarahPatchLids.me.
1: We will see you all over at TimCast.com. Thanks for
5: hanging out. Bye, guys.